Hear that? It's the sound of someone whacking the ground with a rake. Specifically, they're beating around the bush, which we've done enough of in this ad too, so let's get right to it. The new moneymaker scratch-off from the Ohio Lottery doesn't beat around the bush. Money maker. Play the game and you could win money, up to $2 million. With more than 88 million in prizes, ranging from $50 to $500, Moneymaker cuts right to the cash. Lottery players are subject to Ohio laws and commission regulations. Play responsibly. Legend has it, underneath the NJM insurance offices lies a mysterious room of long-forgotten, moldy mascot memorabilia, often pitched by ad agencies, always rejected by NJM. Is it real? We may never know. But what is real is NJM's dedication to doing what's right for their customers. Astoundingly, they're proud to put policyholders first. No jingles or mascots, just great insurance. Learn more at njm.com. There's no place to escape to. This is the last time. On the left. <laughs> That's when the cannibalism started. I'm discovering so far that the entirely ironic mm-hmm. suggestion to people that have told me something like super serious mm-hmm. about that has happened to them right now. Yes. It's like there's a lot of obviously we've had friends of you know lost people. Mm-hmm. There's a lot going on. It's really, I have blisters on my sisters. <laughs> <laughs> what do you tell me? You got to run an audit. Yeah. And that's what I've been saying to yeah. people. Like now that I have all this stuff, I have all this material. Uh-huh. It'll come to my home, and then like you know. I've had several people like say a bunch of like really like grave news to me. Yeah, heartfelt the, stuff. Le- reaching out to you as a, as a person. You didn't I'm, even acknowledge my problem. It's just because <laughs> yours is. How do I put this? That's more allegorical. Oh. I also don't understand your problem. You don't That's a need, song. This is again. <laughs> There's blisters on your sister. It's because you have an MU. <laughs> right. You need to run your words. Yeah. First of all, that's okay. why you don't understand. Because actually, I'm going to actually step in for you, Kissel. Yes. Okay. It's because you don't know. You've passed. You need to properly define your words. Okay. I need Blister. to properly define my words, but I'm also getting pretty fucking interbulated here. Ooh. Ooh. That's now back on you. <laughs> now, you don't mean to turbulate me. I don't want to interbulate. This is just the start of the show. It's true. But but apparently, yeah, people don't like the ironic suggestion for me to audit them until their needle floats. Yeah. <laughs> because it seems that a lot of the times I, again, yeah, uh-huh. there seems to be a wall to the kind of vulnerable areas of my personality. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I do, but I hear and acknowledge. Yeah. And I make frown. I, I listen. I go, no, I don't go. I go. You, you mm. do a good job. I put Welcome. my hands on my hips. And go, mm. ah. Wow. Yes. It's you know? what a sociopath does to pretend like they're a human. At least I'm making the effort. Really good. Welcome to the last <laughs> podcast on the left, everyone. Ben hanging out with Henry, Burn. hanging out with Marcus. Have you checked your e-meter today? Is your e-meter running? Better go catch it. Whoa. <laughs> that's good Scientology humor. That's not clean. Bad. It's I just do. as good as any other Scientology humor, which is to say it's bad. Also, uh, well, first of all, again, and you know what I've also, is there, because of the reading I've been doing, yeah. I we, we need to stop all of this. We need to grind the, we got to grind the brakes, grind, grind the fucking brakes here. Okay, okay, great. All right. Because it's not Scientology. All right. Mm-hmm. It's the science of knowledge. Yeah. Uh, I would that say that. It's, uh, I think you may be wrong there, Henry. It is the study of knowledge. It's the study, <laughs> it's the study of, of knowledge. the science <laughs> Of the of study knowledge. of knowledge. Or perhaps the science of the study of knowledge. Well, either or the way. the knowledge of the science of study. Either way. And either way. Kirstie Alley was great in Cheers. Okay, <laughs> there we go. Let's do it. David Miscavige, part two. 
Let's continue to delve into the weird, long yet short life mm-hmm. of David. It's kind of fun because, yeah, he for a small man, not a lot in there. Keeps on going. <laughs> so when we last left David Miscavige, he dealt a mortal but not yet fatal blow to Pat Broker. Pat Broker, of course, was his main rival for the top spot at Scientology following L. Ron Hubbard's death. Ooh. Pat was, of course, the man with the supposed new OT levels hidden away. And as long as he had that in his back pocket, he still had a chance at succeeding LRH. Also, I would like to point out it is hidden away in my back pocket, so please do not peruse <laughs> my back pocket. Oh, I shouldn't have yeah, said that out loud. Because what's perfect about me is that I am at back pocket height. <laughs> he, Pat Broker actually threw his own wife under the bus First, as you go into another layer deeper, you understand that actually his wife was the one that was truly close to LRH and that Pat. Because she was one of the first Commodore's messengers. Yes. Uh And so Pat actually first got her out of the way Mm -hmm. and then like kind of like shuttled her off. Like there's a thing about being a Scientology wife that you really need to think about. If you are, let's say you are an up and coming young actress and you meet some guy like. I don't know. Troy Palomalu. Troy Palomalu. <laughs> Troy Palomalu. Right, Troy Palomalu. You know, he's new into Scientology. You want to get in there because you're like, oh, the uniforms. Ooh, who's that red-headed yeah. baron? I love that man. That writer is incredible. I love each one of his not non-essential words. Okay. They love all of it. But uh, just know that if you're married to a high-functioning Scientologist, it, it, the over-under and you disappearing is really high. Higher. Yeah. Mm. It just seems like no matter what, whether the religion be new or old, women kind of get fucked over at some point. Yep. All right. (laughs) (laughs) Well, at the end of the last episode, we implied that Miss Cabbage took out Pat Broker with a pretty simple one-two punch (laughs) involving bags of cash hidden inside the walls of Broker's ranch house. Yeah. In reality, though, it took Miss Cabbage over two years to fully establish himself as the leader. So we're going to get into that fight in detail right now. Nice. Now, since Miss Cavage had already spent years purging the upper echelons of the church of anyone who might have made a claim to the throne, there were no other serious contenders to deal with besides Pat Broker, hmm. even though those two years were basically Miss Cavage trying to find just the right angle to line up the kill shot. So the original OG like group was the there you had the Guardian's office, right? Was the that was the uh big old like kind of governing secret police body yeah. of okay. Scientology. The KGB. And so what David Miscavige did was like, I'm in charge of like the Sea Org. I'm like have become sort of the representative of the Sea Org. The outer echelons of Scientology up to this point. Like, yes, a lot of them were Sea Org members, but this is before it was essential for you to be a Sea Org member to be management. And so they viewed the Sea Org as a bunch of Navy biting nerds, Mm -hmm. right? Like a bunch of guys that put on a bunch of uniforms, stolen valor. They have no reason to have (laughs) a uniform because their leader was barely in the Navy. You know what I mean? We all know this from our series on LRH. I just saw a stolen valor video of this dude trying to get half off waffles at the Waffle House, man. That's the saddest way to do (laughs) it. Yeah, this guy fucking reamed his ass. He's like, what what troop were you in? I mean, you don't, because Waffle House, a lot of those guys, they do work in the military and then are ex-cons. And then literally the guy at one point just looked at him in the fake army suit and was just like, man, I'm just trying to get free waffles. <laughs> I know. Exactly and then I was so bad for him. Sure, yeah. Batter costs 10 cents. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so what he understood implicitly was like, 
what we're going to do is we're going to take the inner group. Yeah, we're the hardcore motherfuckers. They are. We're the cocksuckers getting a work done. Which is how he was. Yes, if you control the militarized group of any organization, you're in charge at any point you want. Oh, it was a coup. It was a coup. Well, partly, Miscavige was able to pretty much corner everyone Hmm. because he'd assembled a pretty solid goon squad of his own on the way up. Because if a bully is aggressive enough, he will inevitably attract more bullies. Mm Mm-hmm. Aside from future defector Marty Rathbon, Miscavige also had the aforementioned Mike Rinder, who suddenly found himself in charge of the Office of Special Affairs International. Mike Rinder is a perfect example of button up to the top. Yeah. Where he went, talk about a dude that was bounced back and forth from being in charge of the most important parts of Scientology to getting busted down to scraping barnacles up the bottom of a fucking boat. Yeah. He did that like five times. I mean, then he's no, he knows the working, the working class lifestyle of a Scientologist (laughs) and one of the higher echelon lifestyles of a Scientologist. So he knows the whole thing. And Mm -hmm. every layer was absolute hell. Okay, great. Well, in this position, the head of the office of special affairs international, Render was in charge of all international public relations, legal relations, government relations, and the, quote, handling of enemies. Most That's cool. awesome. That's what a nerd writes down. And <laughs> yeah. all, if you're a nerd's making it in his own government, yeah. there's going to be a whole handling of enemies section. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because anyone can be your enemy. It's I like, know. you know, fucking you you missed a taco in my Taco Bell order, you're an enemy. Yeah, my fucking doctor told me, uh, he like, uh, they all were joking about how, like, yeah, my blood pressure is the highest blood pressure they've seen in a year. Blah, blah, blah. And now, unfortunately, they were joking. They, <laughs> they were like all serious or whatever. And yeah. I was like, yeah. And so now, yeah. milk. Is my enemy. Yeah. I am allowed to have milk or salt. Those are my enemies. Yeah, but that's technically good. That's good for you. And fuck and- this and fuck <laughs> yeah. that. And fuck you. You're, you're a psyop. We've already talked I'm about not. this. Well, most likely the OSAI, they've probably been the ones battling those Australian subpoenas these mm. last few years in an effort to keep Miscavige from answering human trafficking charges in open court. There's okay. something to be learned from David Miscavige, which is if they can't find you, you're not guilty of anything. Absolutely. <laughs> even if he's right in front of you. Now, Mike Rinder went on. Is it Rinder or Rinder? It's Rinder. Mike Rinder. Yeah, I've heard a co- I got a couple of DMs and they were just like, it's not Rinder. It's Rinder with like five N's. Yeah, Rinder. Rinder. I'm like, Rinder. I, is, he a, is he a is he a yamaka? <laughs> That's the name of a that's the name of a little bicycle, right? Uh, I have no a idea. Yamaka? No, you're no, thinking yeah, of a Yamaha. Yamaha, not a, a Yamaka. A, a Yamaka, that's the skull cap oh, of the Jewish damn it, people. I'm wear. done. I'm done. Yeah. No, one is religious gear and the other one is uh is something vanilla ice road and cool as ice. Yes, I know a Yamaha. Yeah. Yamaha. Mike Rinder like Spender, not Mike Rinder like Grinder. Yep. Perfect. Okay. Now, Mike Rinder went on the road almost immediately trying to squash any sort of criminal case or civil litigation that might come up in relation to Scientology. And it may not come as much of a surprise that that was a big job even then. Yeah. See, negative press was poison at this critical juncture in the church, because even though David Miscavige had jettisoned most of Hubbard's adventurous romanticism. Mm. We miss him. We miss him every day. I'm going to play some Iran journals next week, I think. I think you guys need to hear just him like, ah, yes, as you can hear the birds are 
chirping. And it's like because he's recording it from a motorhome where he's hiding. And you hear like, and you hear like yeah, goat noises and shit. He's like, ah, yes, the goats are bleating. Maybe for their performance. Aww. Well, even though he had jettisoned all that, Miscavige shared one of LRH's more practical obsessions that of achieving tax-exempt status for the Church of Scientology. Oh, yeah. Ah, the first big step to getting closer to God. Yeah, all you gotta do is not get taxed like, oh, God. Yeah. And the first step along the road to tax exemption occurred in November of 1987, when the IRS confirmed that their investigation into the church had been concluded. Of course, this was after they uncovered Operation Snow White. Yeah, their mm. full-on invasion of the IRS. <laughs> yes. Yeah, that was Scientology's first clumsy attempt to achieve tax-exempt status through infiltration and blackmail. The cool way. The cool way. I mean, it's really bold. It's the Ocean's Eleven version (laughs) of trying to avoid taxes. Yes, but done by dumpy, brainwashed nerds. Mm -hmm. And, And again, that's what you need. Yeah, well, I would say in Scientology, they're I would say they're quite in shape. It's more skinny nerds than dumpy nerds. Have you it, been to Clearwater? <laughs> yeah, I've been to Clearwater, but that's more Florida than Scientology. Yeah, that's not Scientology. That's not Scientology. But I will always remember when I was working at the borders across the street from Flag on the southern border. Yes, I remember yes. that. <laughs> yes. yes, what a great guard you were. Always, you know, because I always let them right through. Absolutely, I'd be like, hey, my, not my problem. Mm-hmm. Not uh, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I remember the Scientologists that would come in, and the only way I would really describe them is as human teapots. <laughs> and that the men that would come in, a lot of times you'd look and be like, oh, that's a pair of bi- bi- like, you know, binocular glasses. What do you call, like, what do you call, what's the two? Uh, bifocals? Is it bifocals if they became a person? Oh, okay. uh, it's nerds in jumpsuits with uh-huh. clipboards, and they show up, and they're very, they don't blink. Mm-hmm. But there, I remember a woman that I was speaking with that definitely was Julia Sweeney in character as Pat. Oh. And the, her effort, or like the, the strength of her asking for the self-help section was really interesting and taking over and she's like, ah, I see the Dianetics are gone. And you're like, oh yeah, I was wondering why would she need the self-help section if she has Scientology but she was looking for Dianetics. Basically, they go in, they buy out, it's a it's a function that they go out and they buy any single time they, you have one of those yeah. books out there, they buy it out. Mm-hmm. So they show that it's still a bestseller. Well, yeah, but other people can't buy it then or read it. No, that's not really the point now, is it? Is I, it? I suppose not. It's also, up in your stats, dude, because you're either up stats or down stats. I know you don't want to be down stats. Also, David Spade did clarify it's Pat is a woman. That's what David Spade said. Yeah, that makes but, sense. I mean, I feel like I, I, he would know he was the he was the one dating her. See, this is even worse than when we said that we believe that the Secret Service killed JFK. <laughs> like, I feel like it's one of those that we're going to that the elder millennial audience is going to freak out. Yeah, I don't know. You know who was in the Pat movie? Queen. Oh, Oddly awesome. enough, they had lines and everything. I love it, Pat. Yeah. I don't know, man. Funny move. <laughs> SNL used to be banging out the movies. Ween. I don't even know. I just feel like if I saw a weed, I'd just be like, well, they're not vaccinated. <laughs> like, I don't know what you would see no. if I saw a weed. Dean and Gene, no, man. They're on top. They're on top. They're fucking on top of it, man. All right. Don't be good. Don't be I'm fucking. Not, don't don't, don't decry Dean and Gene. I won't. I won't. I'm not coming for a weed. It's right. fine. Now, the conclusion of the IRS's investigation was a positive in the long run for the church as a whole, but it was bad for Miscavige personally because it meant that he could no longer hold those bags of cash he'd found in the walls of Pat Broker's house over his head. Mm. Therefore, Miscavige's number one rival for the position of heir apparent wasn't counted out just yet. See, Pat Broker was still telling everyone that he had those missing OT levels somewhere. And remember, L. Ron Hubbard had named Pat and his wife Annie as loyal officers 
in flag order 3879. And that's where him Ooh. throwing her under the bus came in is because it was definitely a, a article. That thing was written by Pat and he made himself loyal officer number one. Mm-hmm. And Annie was loyal officer number two. I number thought it was two. written by L. Ron Hubbard, but it was something He's else. Never, he never okay. wrote it. All right. All right. Shit. Okay. Interesting. Also, I've been playing Atomic Heart, so let's refer to them as Comrade. Oh God! Ooh, wow. wow! Wow! He's getting wow. he's getting based. Yeah, you're getting real based. <laughs> what if Russia? What if we listen to Putin? <laughs> oh God! Oh no! Also, he's got uh, it was a, all it took was a g- damn you, Steam. <laughs> yep. Coming up next, stained. I just like I don't like the music. I like the politics. I just like the name. I don't know. So. <laughs> David Miscavige hired a team of armed private investigators and off-duty LAPD officers to search Pat's house again. Wow. I mean, they just invaded. Mm-hmm. No OC. Full uniform. Yeah. And they broke in in the middle of the night. They mm-hmm. literally showed up and like Mike Rinder was like put in a position where him and five other Scientologists, Sea Org high-end guys, yeah. were woken up in the middle of the night and were like, we're doing a secret mission right now. Get your fucking shit. They went on a van. They're like, basically, your job is to sit in this van and you're going to wait until we call you. And then he sat in a van outside of Pat Broker's home okay. from midnight to 6 a.m. And then they got a call. COB handled it. And it was like, that's it. Mm-hmm. So it was actual LAPD officers? Off oh, duty. Off duty. But they yeah. were wearing their yeah, LAPD gear? Yeah, I mean they were wearing uh, they were wearing uniforms that implied that they were police officers. Gotcha. See, that's the key, Steven yeah. Seagal. <laughs> Just the implication. Yes, gotcha. Yeah. It's very scary. It's much scarier than a cop, and oh, cops are scary. So. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. Very much so. Well, no OT levels were found, but they did uncover a further fifty thousand dollars in cash under the kitchen sink. Cool. I mean, just tens of thousands of dollars awesome. everywhere, hidden yeah. away, scrawled away in this guy's house. That's yeah. So cool. Miss Cavage then whisked Pat's wife Annie to a private room for an interrogation that could have been charged as kidnapping very easily. Yeah. Miss Cavage broke a lot of laws that night. Mm. But she admitted that Pat kept a storage locker in Paso Robles. And she said that if the new OT levels were anywhere, they were there. But when no OT levels were found in the locker or in the broker home, Miss Cavage came to the only conclusion possible. There were no new OT levels. No. Oh, my God. But since it had been publicly announced that there were new OT levels, and it had been announced at L. Ron Hubbard's memorial service, no less, the church had to live with the lie. Well, what we know now is that they they definitely had LRH's notes. And he did have a series of notes. And he did plan a idea of an OT I believe well, it was like 8 through 15. They think that he planned an idea. He said of- that he thought <laughs> that he'd planned. He did that thing where he was like, I'm thinking. It's coming to me. You know uh-huh. I mean? And it's like, yeah, sure, sure, sure. And then um, uh, then they got all the notes. So then when they did find the notes, it was the incoherent ramblings of a post-stroke cult leader uh-huh. in a mobile home. And so it was, um, let's just say, disorganized. Yeah, yeah less than inspiring, perhaps. Well, like any good cult, Scientology doubled down and flipped the lie to their advantage. They claimed there's not just two <laughs> new oh. OT levels. <laughs> oh, no, Pat, so. Broker, Pat Broker didn't know what the fuck you were talking even about. Believe. There's a- <laughs> you wouldn't even believe. Two? What are you, I'm going to come there and fucking slap you, you fucking cocksucker. Wow, I was no. thinking there was only two. There's seven. There's seven? Seven new levels. This that, is awesome. It almost doubles the amount of levels you have to go through to reach the end of the bridge of total freedom. More levels. You get to spend <laughs> more money. Yeah. Awesome. However, most defectors agree that those last seven levels were never written. Hmm. They think that only the concept of these levels exist as bait 
to keep rich fish on the hook until they've been drained of all their finances and influence. Is it safe to compare this to Old and New Testament? Is this the New Testament of Scientology? Because there are some Christians who are just like, we stick with the old and the new sucks. I I think that that is actually an extremely complex question (laughs) because uh, it's extremely complex because I think that that is probably one of those things that professors debate about about yeah, what the what nature know? of the New Testament. I think, I think it would be more like just Protestants versus Catholics. Um, um, I actually, or I would say, it, I would say probably it's more like the differences between Protestant denominations. Like one is a little chiller, like say like Methodist, a little bit chiller. Sure, and always then, fun. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah sure. But then you've got the more intense ones, like the evangelicals, like the ones like snake charmers and people who beat you and all that shit. Like that's David Miscavige. Well, it's mm. also this is very similar. I would, I would position it closer to Mormonism, where you have the OG written words, which mm-hmm. unlike even Joseph Smith, LRH was truly one of the most prolific. You can't say he's a great writer, but he definitely wrote the most of a lot of, the, like he over a lot that of matters. people, he wrote thousands but thousands and thousands of missives and, and the hours and hours of his lectures that he filled out this world on. And so what David Miscavige actually instead is kind of inheriting all of that shit. And then now, how do we keep using the same stuff in a way that moves us forward? Which, because as we co- talked about and keep talking about it, mm-hmm. Davis Miscavige doesn't have a single creative bone in his body. No. Also, in the future, if you don't have an answer to a question, no need to talk for five minutes. <laughs> no need. No, that's, that's called a true answer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> now, one might ask why someone else hasn't just written these new seven levels. Yeah. Or, or at least written one or two. Doesn't have to be David Miscavige. It can be any of them. Anyone. I think it's because there's never been a Scientologist who's been able to replicate L. Ron Hubbard's cult leader rhythm and his syntax. Yeah, my milkshake brings all <laughs> the clams to the yard. Oh, I love milkshake and clams. <laughs> no, he, uh, was, I'm going to say it, man. Again, not ironically, for creative. Yeah, he's smart guy. creative. Everyone agrees that. Funny guy. <laughs> it's a one of a kind brain. It really is yeah. for good or <laughs> ill. And that's the thing is that if the new levels don't match that syntax and rhythm perfectly, that spell will be broken. You know, people yeah. will they'll fall out of it. Oh, they won't keep going. It definitely so, happened. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's like asking a gifted creative writing student to write a Shakespeare play that is in style, language, subtext, and meaning indistinguishable from Hamlet or Othello. Yeah, I just say make a bunch of naked chicks do it. Now it's great. Yeah. yeah absolutely. I mean, a human could write that, of course, and they have. But the level of talent and, more importantly, the level of emotion that such a task would require just isn't found in the Church of Scientology. Just think of Arrested Development Season 5. Yeah. Right? Just oh. think about the fall-off. I thought it was better than people said it was. I'm just uh. saying the fall-off is evident. Precipitous. Yes. They just weren't in the same room while filming. No, yeah. yes, they all shot. It was, it was ridiculous. Okay. Yeah. Well, put another way, the best writer Scientology ever had in their organization was the guy who wrote the screenplay for the notoriously shallow stinker Crash. I hate that fucking yes. movie. Crash. crash. Not, not David Cronenberg's Crash. 2006. Not the cool Crash. The 2006 Crash with, with Ja Rule and Matt Dillon and that Sandra That won Bullock. the Oscar when everybody was mad at. Yeah, because it won oh, the Oscar. Wow. Yeah, the one where Jack Nicholson like read the, the, the fucking, he read that it was the best picture and then he made like a face. Yeah, he was oh. like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Wow. He made a face. And it's, it is panned worldwide 
as the worst Best Picture nominee or the worst Best Picture winner ever, except perhaps Shakespeare in Love. Thank you. Oh, do not Coming do that. Us. I love Coming Shakespeare you, in Love. Coming I love Shakespeare in do you Love. Honor, do you think it's a better movie than Saving Private Ryan? Yeah. No. Fuck Private Ryan. <laughs> wow. Fuck Private Ryan. Wow. Fuck Tom Hanks. Gwyneth Paltrow <laughs> spinning around until you see her beautiful tits. supple tits. Just talking about her tits. Tits. No, I also it's thought the jokes were quite funny. And that's Best Picture. It's my favorite picture, <laughs> Private Ryan. I like soldiers who weren't caught. Whoa! <laughs> now who's the president? Yeah. Now who's the president? Whoa. Okay. Whoa. He was never caught. Why he was the trapped fuck behind enemy lines? Because he was trapped behind enemy lines. He was trapped behind enemy lines. His brother and two brothers aren't supposed to be lost. Yeah. That's the idea they're trying to save the other brother. Yeah. Because the because other four got killed. I don't care. All I know is if I'm reliant on a guy who fucks a beach ball every time he's stranded, I'm going to be pretty upset. They didn't know that that happened to him. First of all, he didn't fuck it. And second of all, it wasn't a beach ball. It I know it's a volleyball. It really doesn't. You don't think he saying, fucked it? He fucked it. He fucked it. Yeah. These yeah. are the last deleted scene where it's sprouting. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, once David Miscavige figured out that the highest OT levels didn't exist, he finally had everything he needed to truly take over. In April of 1988, a little over two years following L. Ron Hubbard's death, Miss Cavage canceled Flag Order 3879. It's that easy. Because he also just figured out you can call people SPs. Yeah. We talked about last episode. He Once he figured out that special skill, too, that he could just say that you're an SP, it really worked for him. Also, to place this in time, yeah. this is a time period when he's already been with Shelly Miscavige. So him and Shelly have already also been married, and he's also shored up that way because mm. I do believe that she was high up amongst the Commodore's messengers, and there was something about him, because I don't think David Miscavige has, a like, a horny, like, Adam. Well, just so everyone knows, Shelly Miscavige is David Miscavige's wife. Yes. She's been missing since 2007. Yeah, right. she's been missing. Go, go over to some place underneath. They did a full yes, series on they it. they did. But basically, talking those that was also part of what he did to create a stabilizing force. He's like, I need a fucking wife. Yeah. Because they all have fucking wives. And then if you go and you realize oh. what's weird is that Shelly Miscavige, I was watching a, a show that showed a picture of Mary Sue Hubbard and they were like sisters. Really? They could have been identical twins. They look so similar. It's really strange. Well, huh. David I guess Miscavige he... knows optics. Oh, yes. Mm -hmm. He did that on purpose. All right. And what was the point of the thing that he canceled? Well, that that was the order that declared the brokers as loyal officers. Yes. It, gotcha. was, dena it okay. was denounced officially as a forgery. It was like, oh, Pat Broker wrote it. L. Ron gotcha. Hubbard didn't write it. So now he's officially kneecapped them at every level, yes. basically. They're, Everybody's fucked. Yeah, they're gotcha. done. Knowing that he'd finally lost the game, Broker fled America. But Miscavige, who holds a grudge like fucking nobody's business, he still sent two private investigators after him. And they told Pat that they'd been hired by Miscavige and the church to follow and harass him for the next 24 years. 24 years? 24 years, 32 grand a month. There is a there's a movie in that. Yeah. Of the two private investigators that just like this is their whole job. The whole job was to follow Pat Broker, and he knew it. And they, but that was also a thing that LRH told people to do. One of the things he wrote on yeah. his one of his missives about, like how you properly bust down an enemy, which is you be open about it. You literally said right. you don't sneak. You go like you make them knock on the door, being like, "We're here to watch you. We're gonna yeah. go through your trash. We're gonna listen to your phone calls." And they just did that. They just yeah. did it for fucking twenty four years. Yeah, I hope you like all the liquid shit I've been throwing away. Seriously, <laughs> <laughs> well, that's what this is. Yeah, man, maybe it would be like you know when John Wayne Gacy when he was close mm -hmm. to getting caught and he made friends with the two cops that were telling him. It was the whole very time. similar. Yeah, yeah. It could be. Today's episode of Last Podcast on the Left is brought to you by Simply Safe Home Security. Would you do everything it took to protect your family? Of course you would. 
Simply Safe Home Security makes it easy to protect every inch of your home with advanced security tech powered by 24/7 professional monitoring. In an emergency, Simply Safe's professional monitoring agents use Fast Protect technology to capture critical evidence and verify the threat is real, so you can get priority police dispatch. 24/7 professional monitoring costs under $1 a day, less than half the price of traditional home security systems. Simply Safe protects us and our studio from anyone that wants to come in and cause havoc. Without Simply Safe, I wouldn't feel safe. Customize the perfect system for your home in just a few minutes at simplysafecom LPOTL. Go today and claim a free indoor security camera plus 20% off your order with interactive monitoring. That's simplysafecom LPOTL. There's no safe like Simply Safe. This podcast is brought to you by Squarespace. Finding work-life balance can be tough, but Squarespace gives you the tools to reach your goals and have time to celebrate. Squarespace is the all-in-one website platform for entrepreneurs to stand out and succeed online. With the new guided design system, Squarespace Blueprint, you can select from curated layout and styling options to create a personalized website optimized for every device. Get your website discovered fast with integrated, optimized SEO tools. Plus, make checkout easy for customers with easy-to-use payment tools. And with Squarespace AI, you can explain what your site is about, choose your tone, enter what you need, and get auto-generated text and that helps you save time i know i'm sitting on about two literal wheelbarrows filled with horse picks now part of the issue has been is a lot of these pictures are getting stopped at customs because some of them do depict various world leaders in horse-like circumstances that seems to be pinging a lot of these custom agents accounts now so what i've done to do is like so while i'm trying to work on hand smuggling these horse picks over various country borders. I then also have time because Squarespace is doing all the other ad work for me to go and work on my killdozer at home. So thank you, Squarespace, for allowing me to diversify in the best way possible for this country. Head to squarespace.com for a free trial when you're ready to launch. Go to squarespace.com slash left to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. McDonald's presents Burger Reviews by Hamburglar. Today's review, the hotter, juicier, classic burgers. Mr. Hamburglar. Bravo, bravo. He said, of all the McDonald's burgers I've ever hamburgled, these are the hottest, juiciest, and tastiest. Bravo. Hurry in and enjoy one of our 350 bundles, like a daily double and small fries for a limited time. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any of the offer comparison of prior classic burgers. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Well, Annie Broker, meanwhile, she stayed in Scientology. She was sent to a remote re-education camp in Southern California, ironically called Happy Valley. This is considered ironic (laughs) because it is a place called Happy Valley that is indeed sad. It's very sad. Oh, wow. Thanks for explaining that. Yeah, it's (laughs) frown town. Frown town. Now, Happy Valley was a site that had existed since 1974, and it was run by a branch of Scientology amongst a veritable forest of branches called the Rehabilitation Project Force. Well, that was another thing that David Miscavige specifically did, was splinter mm-hmm. all of these various governing bodies of Scientology into an even smaller versions of things that looked after things. They basically said, if you took the, found the word micromanagement in a dictionary, right. David Miscavige's face would be right there. Mm-hmm. He destroyed it and also it made it so you never knew 
who was working for what, who well, was exactly. whose boss. That's, like, that's what I was going to say. Wouldn't this be perfect for privacy and secrecy? Oh, it mm-hmm. is. He learned from the U.S. government. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that worked out so great. It oh, worked out 2001. <laughs> Something about September. I love the way no one talked to each other. Every day, every September 11th, Dick Cheney still buys a slice of cake on Seamless, and he's like, we did it. <laughs> I can't. A oh. slice of yellow cake, am I right? Dick there you <laughs> go. Hello. Good work, comrade. <laughs> now you get it. Well, the RPF had itself been born from a Hubbard punishment group called the Mudbox Brigade. Cute. Now I want to be part of that because yeah. that's fun. You get to hang out in the mud, drink mm. soda. Yeah, it's like the Buttercream Gang. Ooh. Yeah, that actually turned pretty, pretty yeah. violent. The Buttercream Gang really <laughs> yeah. got, I mean, ooh. Ooh, it was Tommy Buttercream, because he was at the bottom of the barrel, you know what I mean? Yeah. He used to play the Find the Barrel game. Yeah, I think it was the prequel to that movie Sleepers. <laughs> Those kids were awake. That was bad. Well, really, the Bud Box Brigade wasn't too bad, okay. mostly concerned with the maintenance on Hubbard's many ships. These were the people who were, in LRH's words, really goofing up on the job. Really goofing up on the job. <laughs> yeah, really goofing up. Goofing up real bad. I just don't even, they use words that you would say. But then they're cra- but then they're Scientologists well, like leaders. It's yeah. truly that's a again, it's a feature, not a bug. Where I was going back through the Scientology handbook, just kind of like having fun with it. And you know, you have to like define all these words. And there was like one thing he wrote like a couple of these words, and I was like, all right, I'll bite. And I had the dictionary open as I was going. I was like, oh, he's just making these words up. As yeah. he's going. Yeah, yeah right. these are all just made up words. The they don't have definitions. Yeah. Creative. Yes. Mm-hmm. But when the Mudbox Brigade was replaced by the Rehabilitation Project Force, it became more broad and more sinister. The RPF was made up of four groups, all with appropriately Scientological names. There were rock slammers, (laughs) i.e. people with hidden evil intentions. You don't even know that you're evil. That's the worst part. That's what Mike Rinder figured out when they called him to tell him, when Shelley Miscavige told him that his son died. Right. So oh, he wasn't he was only there for the birds of both of his two children. And then they were immediately scurried away and taken care of by literally four days old. They were taken over by Sea Org like nannies. So, so we watched he, them in a hotel room. Right. And literally in discarded hotel rooms. And so when his second son Jesus. died, when his kid died at 11 weeks, Sheldon oh, Scavage cornered him and was just like, hey, just so you know, your son dropped his body. Because your son chose to drop his body. And what Mike Rinder, he was so Ugh. indoctrinated at that point, was like, what were my hidden evil, evil intentions? Yeah. What happened to me? And so what they do is they, they yeah, drag you straight uh, into auditing. They take yeah. you straight into a room and they make you run your grief until the needle floats. So basically, so you don't feel anything anymore. Yeah. That's that's a healthy way to handle it. It yeah. is. Perfect. Also, any investigation into why the 11, what, 11-year-old, 11-day-old? 11-day-old, 11-week-old yeah. 11-week-old child. Why, how, oh. Yeah. 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 That yeah, guy but, named Sid is fucking a mean bastard. Mm-hmm. Yep. I hate him and his brothers. <laughs> mm-hmm. There were rock slammers. Okay. Then you had repeated stat crashers. Those were people who were responsible for a decline in productivity. Oh, I can see Mr. Casual Pants over here being a bit <laughs> of a stat crasher. I want to be a rock well, slammer. Maybe a little bit of a stat crasher. There's overt product makers. Those are people who produced work of poor quality. Goofers, as it were. Goofers. Oh, <laughs> man, man. I want to nice. start using stuff like, I think yeah, yeah, goofers goofer. is a good word. Yeah, it's a real good, yeah, we got a big, big group of goofers yeah, around. Yeah. 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 Oh, yeah, see, it was handled by a bunch of goofers. Yeah. I do like goofers. And then there were those who scored low on their personality tests. Mm. Those didn't even get a name. Yeah. yeah. Although I would like to say, be very careful using the G word around comedians. Goofers. Yes, yeah, that's please, a pretty again. offensive term <laughs> for is. comedians to call it them. A it's, very, it's a little old school. Yeah. 
Now, concerning Annie Broker, Miss Cavage probably put her in the rock slammer category because her actions had delayed his rise to the top for two years, which was indeed an evil intention from his perspective. Hmm. Along with everyone else sentenced to the RPF, Annie Broker was forced to study Scientology or audit for five hours a day. Mm -hmm. Then she'd work eight hours of physical labor and sleep for seven hours. And all in all, this is a comparatively weak re-education camp when you compare it to some of the others we've talked about. Yeah, Thank I mean, you. she's not Otto Warmbier, but it also <laughs> seems absolutely horrible. Yeah. Yeah, it's bad. Yeah, yeah. But even though it's not as bad as the worst that we've spoken of, Years of it will wear you down. Yeah. And Annie spent two years at the RPF. They did the same to Mike Rinder's parents because his parents were both OT, high OT level Scientologists. His par- his mom was driving, got into a car accident, uh, killed his father in the car accident. Uh-huh. She was then punished because they viewed her as pulling it in because that's what they call it. Is that Pulling it in? Pulling it in means that you've done something wrong. You have an overt or a withhold that we don't know, and you're causing bad things to happen to you and to others because you're not doing the proper work. I feel like and, a bunch of people my size should have gone and bonked the, all these people on the head. <laughs> <laughs> I think everyone involved is a bonk, yep. bonk. You know what? There's some bonks coming later. Oh, yeah, right. there, oh there's, there's some bonks. There's some All bonks. Right. Well, after serving her two-year sentence, Annie Broker was sent to Gold Base, which is the real headquarters of Scientology located just north of Los Angeles that we'll get into later. Okay. But within an hour and a half of arriving at Gold Base, Annie Broker fled. Now, Sea Org members, the higher mm. echelon of Scientologists, they aren't let go as easily as the rank and file. No. And likewise, Sea Org members don't let go of Scientology as easily, even though they're treated the worst of all Scientologists. Because right. of the sunken cost fallacy, the, mm-hmm. the sunken cost issue, right? Where you have given up so much. Everything. Mm-hmm. That's what Mike Rinder kept talking about. I, I'm always on the fence with him because of the things that he did. He was nuts. He was, but. He yeah. gave up so much that by the time you've just realized that you've been cucked out so hard yeah. and you've left so you've done so many things. It's so hard to pull yourself out. It's what everyone's going to do. It's what everyone's going to think about Dana White when they realize there's no money in slap fighting. Yeah. Um, because I watched that yesterday. Because kids can do it. Anybody can slap Anyone fight. Can well, it's that. quite dangerous. They're all going to die of brain yeah. aneurysms and mm-hmm. things. But all of them have families and everyone in the interviews of the slap fight league are like, well, when we make it big and I'm a millionaire, my kids are going to love me. And I'm like, buddy. I no. don't think there's no, money the in it. Because the time you make even ten thousand dollars, you're gonna be like, "That's so hard." Slapping world industry. They are all like that already. Well, more what I'm talking about when it comes to people like Annie Broker is that it's the people who are raised in Scientology. Oh, okay. She was a Sea Org member from the time she was like ten. She so didn't know she anything re- else. Yeah. So the same thing with Mike Rinder. It's basically yeah. But that's very that's very difficult for them. Then oh, very much well, so. Yeah, they don't have any idea what the non Scientological world is like right. at all, and they've been told all sorts of shit about what happens outside of Scientology. Oh yeah, I think I think I can yeah. use the term here because I, they call I would I would rather I would say we probably should don't use the it's real a, term. No, don't use that. Yeah, the real term that's an insane racial slur in England. Yeah. Don't use that one. You're right. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. Well, there's a term in Scientology for the world, right? Outside of Scientology, there's a word that they use, but it's like that whole world is literally viewed as a a, a, a scooter butts. Yeah, scooter butts. Yes. Scooter butts. The scooter butt world yeah. is not cool. And okay. it's filled with demons that will destroy you. Yeah. Got you. Well, for most escaped Sea Org members, by the time they figured out something as simple as, say, a bus stop, yeah. Scientology security goons, they would have already scooped them up. 
And also Scientology, most Sea Org members, most Scientologists at this level, they don't even have driver's license. No. They don't, mm. of course, they don't own cars. They don't even know how to drive a fucking car. Well, yeah, that one woman didn't know how to drive a car. She Which, killed her husband. Oh, no, you're talking about yeah, Mike, Rinder's Mike Rinder's mother. mother. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. It, was, it was bad. It was too bad. bad. But even if they did make it past security, escapees had to live with the knowledge that their friends and family would be interrogated and followed until the escapee was found and forced back. Wow. This was a big Scientology technique is that if you leave, we will torture your family. Yep. Right. And in any broker's case, her escape was a big enough deal where Miss Cavage sent Marty Rathbun, one of his top goons, to go out and get her back. By the time Rathbun tracked Annie to Boston, though, Miss Cavage nixed the plan and actually sent out John Travolta flying okay. one of his flying one of his private jets to bring Rathbun back home. Travolta, what? meanwhile, was free because he was at one of the lowest points in his career. This is still a whole year away from the premiere of Look Who's Talking. Yeah, I mean, yeah. this wow. is early in Scientology history. But can you imagine that calling up John Tron and just being like, <laughs> John Tron, you motherfucker, get your fucking gay ass in that plane. I want you to fly to fucking New York. I'm going to tell the whole fucking world what's going on. Yeah. And then he says something about what Cotter. Oh, yeah. You see, oh, oh, you're talking, oh, yeah, yeah John, John, John Travolta. Travolta going to yeah, be like, oh, Miss Sketch. Oh, I can't have a plane, Mr. Sketch. Oh, 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 Mr. Cotter. Nice. <laughs> yeah. Character actor. Oh, he really is. <laughs> Pretty good. He really is. It's, in, it's incredible how he hasn't worked in so long. Fuck you. He's working now. <laughs> Technically, we this is where Marcus. Uh, what we I would have say him is... for the next five years, and then Hollywood can fucking have it. Yeah, and God, they've been clamoring. And I keep saying no. <laughs> My mother told me, why did you say no to that? I know, I'm buddy. So haunted we have to, by this. You know what? My you blood might... pressure is not high. That is a fucking lie that these merchants of death are trying to sell me. I'm a Phaeton. I actually think maybe an e-meter might help you with just that. Just that one situation. Just grab onto two steel poles. I will. Hold tight. So even though Annie supposedly had documents that could hurt David Miscavige, I think that Miscavige figured it's more important to just let her go. Because what Miss Cavage yeah. really wanted was to break her. But in the end, this is what got him the top spot. Pat Broker's in exile. Just psycho. Annie Broker, she's out of Scientology completely. So Miss Cavage, by 1988, right. is completely in control of Scientology, two years after L. Ron Hubbard died. But wow. the key is, as long as they never say a single fucking word about Scientology, he'll let him go. Yeah. And the rest of them, like, you know, because there's, like, Jerry Armstrong, the guy that, like, tried mm -hmm. to, like, steal the documents. And then they have other guys, like that Barry Minton guy, who wasn't even in Scientology. He just hated Scientology. And he yeah. started paying out the ass. He was like a multimillionaire until they went deep into his finances and found out he did a bunch of sketchy shit, which so that that eliminate, eliminated him. But right. it is really weird because he did let some people go. Miscavige. Yeah. yeah. But then some people, he just he wanted to destroy them. Yeah. yeah, he really did. And Annie Broker, actually, she left Scientology forever. She died free in 2011, a non-Scientologist, even though she was once in line to replace L. Ron Hubbard himself. All right. She wasn't squirrel busted. No, she no, wasn't squirrel busted. Because squirrel busting is for people that use the Scientology tech outside of Scientology. It's like whatever they mm. learned, that's what a squirrel is, is mm. somebody that takes the stuff that they, the private OT stuff and teach other people takes outside. The, of. Takes their nuts home. Yeah. Gotcha. Feeling confident, Miss Cavage refurbished and launched a Sea Org ship called the Free Winds. Whoa. Time to return to the sea. <laughs> oh, back to basics. That's great. Uh, Henry, you're going to have to bring milk back to your diet. Uh, you are in charge of getting the sails to go. You got it. Yes, indeed. It's the Free Winds. 
Well, there he could publicly work on OT8, the highest existing level yet to be revealed. Also, he could establish himself as the true heir. Now, when L. Ron Hubbard died in 1986, OT8 was known to exist, Mm -hmm. but it had not yet been released to even the highest-ranking Scientologists. He had written the bones of it, Mm -hmm. and they went and they did manage to put it together. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And David Miscavige planned to change that with the maiden voyage of the Free Winds. There, he planned to finally reveal OT8 to the 300-some-odd OT7s on board. But, and this is important, he did not reveal the original OT-8 that L. Ron Hubbard himself had written. Oh, yeah. No, it, it was... Uh, this is a switcheroo. It was a, a flight of ideas. I would say in its original form, OT-8's a bit of a hoot. Yeah, it's, it's a hoot. It's a hoot, yeah. See, with each OT yeah. level, new knowledge is revealed. Yeah, because he's always plumbing. Yeah, because like OT plumbing and digging and, and gripping and ripping. Yeah, <laughs> like for example, you know, you don't learn about Xenu and you know and right. the the volcanoes and the atomic bombs oh. and the Thetans. You don't learn that until OT level three. Yeah, and you're, yeah. that's like two hundred and fifty grand in. Yeah, wow, but Jesus. It, but at OT eight, in the original form, Hubbard revealed that he would eventually return from the grave as the Antichrist mm-hmm. to stop an alien oh. invasion led by Xenu's galactic confederacy because Jesus Christ was a homosexual pedophile. I'm just glad somebody <laughs> finally saying what I'm thinking. Because it has just been a... I have been waiting for... I was like, finally, I feel seen. Yeah. How did he scrap those plants? <laughs> that, I mean, that is... That's fascinating. Well, Hubbard further wrote that anyone who attempted auditing OT8 without being properly prepared would spontaneously combust. (laughs) And he strongly implied that OT8 was the last level he'd publish, which contradicted the extra level's lot. So there's a lot of bombs in this. What's weird is, though, is that, do you think that's what's causing my blood pressure is because I read the OT8, like, rundown last night? It could be. That might be why you have the highest blood pressure that the doctor has seen, he said, a year? Yeah. A year, which really isn't that long. He rang a bell. No. It was really weird. And I was like, do I get this for free? And they're like, no. Yeah. No, it costs you. It costs, it costs more for the rest of your life. Yeah. 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 They just love that you're a forever patient. Yeah. They like that. That's yeah. cool. It's a health sick system. Whoa. Health sick system. Whoa, it's true. a sick care, care system. system. Now, this story, this OT8 story about homosexual pedophile Jesus, Jesus yeah. and like Xenu mm. coming back Go and all that. that. Yeah. This upset the small group of Scientologists who first heard about it before the big trip on free wind. It didn't, he, it he didn't did a test of, well. He yeah. did a test group. Yeah, yeah. It, it didn't tested, test, tested real bad. The a- LRH is going to come back, fight the aliens. Pedophile Jesus is going to come fight L. Ron Hubbard. And then that's, I mean, I, that's awesome, to be I, honest. I do miss it's you a remember comic book. Celebrity Deathmatch. I miss it yeah. in that fact because I would love to see a claymation homosexual pedophile Jesus <laughs> versus a super cut ginger LRH. Like <laughs> sure. full hair. Yeah, that would be incredible. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But that's the thing. After some people heard about OT8, these are the highest level of level yeah. of Scientologists. Some of them left. Yes. Like, they're like, fuck this. And it was similar wow. to when Hubbard released the level that introduced the Xenu mythology. Wall of fire. They yeah. couldn't handle it. So before the free winds trip, OT8 was rewritten without all the wacky shit, and they actually rewrote it to lower the stakes, which is a brave move for a cult leader. Hmm. It was also brilliant because it didn't require anyone to create anything meaningful in L. Ron Hubbard's style. Yep. And at the same time, it was going to make Scientology a lot more money. Yeah, oh, yeah. Because guess what they did? 
Well, the people on board the free winds mm-hmm. excited about the new revelation. They're like, yes, yes, yeah, yes. Because you're on a boat, too. Because you yeah. remember, it's a big pomp and circumstance. You got the fucking Scientology band there. They're doing all is shooting mm-hmm. fireworks off, right. literally. Yeah. And this is like a carnival cruise. We're not talking a. a this is, a, a, good, this is an, an Essex. It's, it's a nice uh, yacht. Style. It's a nice very yacht. nice yacht. yacht. Yeah, okay. it's a nice yacht. Well, these people were told that OT8 is actually <gasps> a repeat of the seven levels. That you've already spent a million dollars reaching. And those seven levels will be repeated in perpetuity until you're deemed ready for OT9, which doesn't exist. What is he, Mr. Wonderful? (laughs) He is uh, in perpetuity. So it's really interesting because I was watching a show with Mike Grinder and they asked him, whatever, like what inspired LRH? And I don't know whether he does not know or not, but Mike Grinder was like, I have no idea. He was a well-read man. He was obsessed with philosophies, blah, blah, blah. Kind of very much boilerplate. Scientology bio of LRH does not talk about the OTO documents. Does talk does not talk about any of the ritual magic shit that and LRH. This is all stuff that we talked about in our Jack Parsons series. Yes, they did not talk about any of that shit, which is really interesting because then OT8 what it revealed was that so in your time in Scientology, yeah, you're spent scanning all of the many lives that you've lived that your Dayton has been attached to mm. for years and years trying to figure out the problems of your past. And what OT8 reveals is that actually the body thetans that you've been quote unquote getting rid of all of this time, your previous lives were their memories. You're just you. So it strips you all down. OT8 is like, it's supposed to be mm. the what he called the first real level, which is congrats. Now you're just you. You're not even a thing anymore. You don't even have all that stuff. And we got to redo all of this stuff yeah. because wow. you just, it fucks you up. But that's also the last level of the OTO. Somewhat. Well, the OTO Basically, doesn't say a, you have your to own start god. over. It's oh, a, yeah. But it's you're your own god. Yeah. Here's the creative abilities of a god. But it's really about how you've been you. You've been god. Now you're aware that you've been god this entire time. Which is interesting because mm. this OT8 was not written by LRH. Well, this he, OT8 was written by David Miscavige two years after LRH died. The bones of the tech were written. No, this was LRH's idea. The, the actual, like... The structure of it was his idea. The set, the doing it all over again? Yes. Well, the doing it all over again was a fun Davis Miscavige, like, kick around. Yeah. But the actual, like, you're just you. Yeah. Reveal. That was that L- was LRH. That makes sense. Yes. That makes a lot more again, sense. Because it, David, I, yeah. I actually thought, like, that seems a little too creative for David Miscavige. It was. Ah, there yeah, you yeah. go. He understood how to monetize it. Yeah. Well, that's yeah. the thing. Scientology had always been a scam, but this was cruelty on a whole new level. This is designed to create lifetimes of frustration and dashed dreams. You well, it just repeat seems, customers. <laughs> yeah, it just seems like there was a lot of people probably going home that night and just looking at that bottle of whiskey they haven't opened in 20 years. Yeah, no, just, Leah Remini's mother quit after yeah, the OT8 Because review. you got to start all over again. Well, it just showed that you've wasted up because if you get to OT8, you've wow. spent about a million dollars. At least. And then you, and you then, just do it again. You're just yeah. done. It's like none of it counted. It's the uh, it's the snow globe reveal at the end Dallas. of the days of our lives. Yeah, Dallas. Dallas? Is that yeah. yeah. Wow. Well, St. Elmo's pretty, Fire. Is that what that is? Yeah. No, no, I mean. Dallas. No, not St. Elmo's Fire. No, no, no. Uh, Hill Street Blues? It's all the no, same. Hill Street <laughs> Blues. I'm the, just saying the idea. I hate yeah. when movies are a dream. Which yeah. I think oh, yeah. not to be no, a dream. Everyone, everyone like, knows that's the like, worst What thing. am I even sitting here fucking doing? <laughs> oh, if none of this fucking happened. Yeah. I want blood pressure's not hot. That's the first thing you learn in creative writing, actually. Nightmare on Elm Street. That's different than the function of the film. And it wasn't the whole movie wasn't a dream. Yeah. But the, the scary thing is that the, 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 dream. the dreams are real, though. That's the scary Isn't thing about that it. Isn't that something? It's like the extra <laughs> dreams are extra real. 
Absolutely. No, I agree. Where's so my they, machine? Where's my blood? I know, buddy. You really need to calm it. So they just got the rug pulled out from underneath yeah. them. And then some people were like, well, that was so fun. Let's do it again. Yeah. Well, some And then them, some people were like, let's get the fuck out of here. Yeah. Some people absolutely left. And some of them had <sighs> to convince themselves of that, that sort of thing where you go, Okay. 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 I, I think I think I get it. I, I think I oh, understand. God. There's a plan here. Yeah, there's it, a plan. It does remind me of that fucking jackass from the Nexium documentary where he's like, Keith Raniere told me he knew a new kind of math. Yeah. And I was so like, good. I know math. But, and but, he knew a new math. Yeah. Rinder also says that he spoke with one of uh, Keith Raniere's crew. And he got to, because once you're out of the cult leader, like, membership, like, then you get to talk to the, all the ex-cult The post-cult cult, cult. Yeah, you get to go <laughs> yeah. hang out. Um. Ranieri openly copied Scientology. Yeah, and talked about. He read what is Scientology. He he openly did it. Wow. Oh yeah, no, we all recognize that when we watch the documentary. It was cool though, like, but we shit. called it. Yeah, we did. We did. I was like, yeah. yeah, hell yeah, fuck yeah. You can only have so cults have very similar tendencies, don't they? That's no. why. Wait, till you won't even see mine coming. <laughs> I think we will. <laughs> so I don't think stealth um, is not your uh, <laughs> accolade. That's the idea. So that let him see me coming. Let him see me not coming. Okay. <laughs> well, this new level of cruelty, it was actually just sort of what Miscavige was creating all along because he also introduced a culture of violence when it came to the inner sanctums of Scientology. And that's in addition right. to the emotional abuse that had been going on all throughout the L. Ron Hubbard years. So 88 was the year that they first got violent. Well, not necessarily. Miscavige had been violent for a long time, but yeah. 88's about the time that it started getting institutionalized. Yeah, just into policy. Yeah. But even then, it would take another 20 years for it to become really institutionalized. Okay. Well, the truth is, is that he had an assistant. His communicator is what they call it in Scientology. His assistant, and they, she would always smooth things over. And David Miscavige's sister signature move was the full-on sideways pile clothesline uh, full full-on airborne sideways pile uh, clothesline so what he loved was to jump over <laughs> yeah. a table this I is his totally thing see it, dude. and clear a fucking table and hit you with his torso yeah and i get it because i do understand i'll be like ah, ah like watching him <laughs> jump yeah. because yeah and his favorite word was cocksucker yeah Oh God, that's like that's a move that like Puck from Alpha Flight does. He sometimes as a little guy. Yeah. Your whole body's gotta it's be. A, in the oh attack. my god, it's the speedball, it's the fucking fastball special, the speedball special that like fucking Colossus and Wolverine used to do. It is. Yeah, absolutely. You just fling yourself inside. <laughs> it's really hard, especially. It's scary, dude. He did it to an old woman. Good for him. <laughs> she should have got out of the way. She obviously her reaction time wasn't up. Her down, she must have been downstairs. She must have been downstairs. Yeah, yeah. Had many overts and withholds that yep. she hadn't she hadn't cleared up. Right, she was an older woman. So yeah, yeah, makes it difficult. But one member of the church marketing unit <laughs> said that during a board meeting, they saw Miss Cavage get up, stand behind two seated executives, and bonk their heads together like a cartoon. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he learned how to do it from Three Stooges. <laughs> but he man. loved the yeah, yeah. mashing people's yeah. faces. But he bonked them hard enough for one of them started bleeding out of his ear. Yeah, dude. He did it to Mike dude, Rinder. That's going to be a new fucking don't let Dana White hear about bonk fighting. Oh, yeah, dude. <laughs> because that's that's next after slap fighting. Once huh. you get into the Looney Tunes school of karate. <laughs> uh, but he, uh, Mike Rinder, like he had like a little like he had this. So he had his office, right? But he had this balcony that was only he only had access to that he would go smoke on David Miscavige. And Mike Rinder went out there. He would make you wait for him out there where you have to go wait on this balcony. And he said one time. Mike Rinder, and there was a series of bushes there. Mike Rinder came out. He's like, I said to me, you fucking cocksucker. And then just jacked him in the chest with his elbow. Like, he fell back in the bushes. He grabbed his head, literally was pushing his face into the bushes. Mm -hmm. And, like, pushing his face in the bushes. Pull him out. Pull him down to the floor. His face is bleeding. Michael Rinder's face is bleeding. He then goes inside, 
David Miscavige comes back out, gives him a glass of scotch, and he says, clean yourself up. And he does that shit. Oh. Real tense. Oh, yeah. Thank you for the scotch, I guess. Another time, about 20 Scientologists were summoned to the Religious Technology Center headquarters. Of course, everyone's in trouble. <gasps> and without warning, Miscavige started slapping one of his subordinates <laughs> open-handed. <laughs> Got him at least 10 times. Okay. And this was even, this is horrible because it was one of the guys he'd already head-bonked. Yeah, dude. Oh, because, yeah. because once you get head bonked, you're gonna get slapped. Yeah, yeah he got yeah. blapped. He got bonked and slapped. Oh yeah. But then his secretary that would go and be like, David, you can't get him so mad. Yeah. You're getting him so mad. You're getting you're really riling him up. Yeah, it's mm -hmm. psychological torture 101. Mm -hmm. It's so easy to do this shit, to be honest. Yeah. Well, another Sea Org member who left in 1990, which implies that this happened yeah. throughout the 80s. He said that he once witnessed Miscavige assault a staffer by punching them in the ribs so hard that you could hear his fist thudding against his victim's rib cage. Ooh. And of course, since shit rolls downhill, those that were attacked by Miscavige would in turn attack others, mm -hmm. uh, both with and without Miscavige's direction. In David's view, beating others showed loyalty to him. So it's just part of the culture now. It's totally yeah. become ingrained. It's Which about never happened. No, right. during LRH. Never happened. No, because the, 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 he viewed that as being serious about Scientology. Yeah. And right. that's not to say that LRH wasn't fucking horrible. And oh, that's yeah. not to say that like people weren't no, these... emotionally ruined and financially right. ruined oh, during yeah, LRH. Yeah, yeah. Of course they were, but it wasn't. He violent. sent his wife to jail. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean, sent his own fucking wife to, to the fucking clink. Yeah. So yeah, he does bad shit. But yeah, and he wasn't. He wasn't a physical type. He was not no. physical. <laughs> so you know, you do have to clarify that he was not. It was not physical violence, and that's good. That's good. But that's yeah, fine. The whole thing is like horrible. But I guess that's good. That's where the bar is. Yeah, that's where the bar is. <laughs> now in 1989. The Supreme Court dealt Scientology a major blow when it was announced that Scientology services were not tax deductible because they were a quid pro quo transaction, mm. i.e. I pay you for a thing and you give me the thing. Yeah, it's a business. Yeah. Yeah. That same year, the IRS again denied tax exempt status to the organization. Now, Miscavige had actually learned a couple of things from Operation Snow White, and this time he waged war legally and asymmetrically. He flooded the IRS with lawsuits. He engaged in a smear campaign against individual IRS agents. He took out full-page ads in national newspapers targeting the IRS. And he created AstroTurf groups to ruffle the public's feathers. I mean, to be honest, that's fun. I mean, yeah. it's kind so of fun. So that's where I'm just like, now what's this guy all about? And the next thing you know, I'm getting bonked and <laughs> <Yeah>. slapped. <Exactly. laughs> and this was only another battle in Scientology's long war that wouldn't end for another five years. That's what Scientology always referred to it as. The war. The war. The war. Yeah. So this is the five-year war. Yeah. Well, actually, well, it's a 30-year war. That's 30 what, years. That, that's what they called it, the 30-year war. Or they didn't call it the 30-year war, but it lasted for 30 years, and they called it the war. Okay. But at the same time, Miscavige also knew to never take his eye off the ball when it came to corporate image. Keep it tight. Mm -hmm. See, L. Ron Hubbard knew way back when that his personal image was essential to Scientology's acceptance as a mainstream religion, which was key to tax-exempt status. So you heard that right, folks. L. Ron Hubbard dressed like that on purpose. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, he also, he was trying to hide... But, you know, he had the long hair for a while, which yeah. was pretty gross. The <laughs> long hair was because like, he had the, it was the page boy haircut. It was the He-Man haircut. Yeah, because he was fucking full penguin ball. And he, <laughs> his hair, the long hair just started at the very back of his head. Yeah, yeah that's cool, though. 
Well, LRH rightfully surmised that if everyone knew that the ruddy ginger taking readings from tomato plants, if they knew that he was a failed sailor turned sex occultist scam artist, mm. then they might not follow him as the leader of a religion that demanded all of your money. I don't know. I feel I can, that's the best sales pitch I've heard of him. <laughs> for ever. some, for some, but they want to get a wide net. Yeah. So Miss Cavage got Mike Rinder on the case to make sure that everyone thought well of L. Ron Hubbard. Oh, yeah. Because David Miscavige, his favorite thing was to give people truly impossible tasks. Yes. To see how far you'd go. Mm -hmm. I mean, the one thing we've learned about the past six years is you just put anyone's head on John Rambo and then they're just <laughs> going to be the next president. Just love yeah. Well, mainly, Rinder was tasked with getting Hubbard a posthumous Nobel Prize for his discovery of the so-called purification rundown. Can you imagine? I need to posit you. I'll say it to Fernando. Can you imagine? One of us dies, and you're like, Marcus in a full-on pill haze comes to you, and he's like, you need to go get Henry a post-Thomas Emmy, or I'm going to beat you. Like, I'm going to literally beat you, which just makes no sense because yeah. they, what, did, what did Rinder immediately find out? Well, he didn't immediately find out that this thing. He found it out later, but we'll get to that here yes. in a second. Okay. But basically, the purification rundown was a regimen of saunas, vitamins, oils, and niacin. Now, all of that causes <laughs> drug residues, quote-unquote drug residues, to sweat out of the body. Well, that is the secret awesome. tech behind Narconons. Yeah. Sweating. Yeah. Yes. This, according to secret Scientology, tech. cured the patient of their drug addiction, which, in their view, was worthy of a Nobel Prize. That's what fucking Jordan Belfort talked about in every single morning. Every single morning, he would go into a sauna to sweat out the drugs. Yes. Mm -hmm. And he's the Wolf of Wall Street. I mean, it was fake. Yeah. Because all that is not real. You don't sweat that shit out. It no. doesn't work like that. I guess you might. <laughs> I guess you might. I don't. I, I guess you might. <laughs> I can't do anything against them. <laughs> well, to make this Nobel Prize happen, Rinder spearheaded a magazine and billboard campaign touting the brilliance of LRH. This is where Rinder coined the infomercial tagline, one of the most acclaimed and widely read authors of all time. Nice. Dianetics. Dianetics. Whoa, cool. I've seen them at Comic-Con. Yeah. Oh, God, they're at every single Comic-Con. We'll Everyone. get to that a little bit later on the next episode. Yeah. But yeah, I have not never been to a Comic-Con where there was not a... It was. It's not a Scientology table. It's not a Dianetics table. Curious. It's an L. Ron Hubbard table. That's the idea. Yes. Author, man. Mm -hmm. That's how you single it out. He has a full... He still has a massive page on Amazon. Mm-hmm. Render. Wow. Yeah, I know. I'm just saying, a like, massive page on Amazon. I'm just saying, if you look at all of his books, it's crazy to, mm -hmm. it's a, how they 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 don't say Scientology, really. It's all like incredible sci-fi genius, mm -hmm. L. Ron Hubbard. Rinder also directed Scientologists to purchase full volumes of Scientology materials and donate them to public libraries <laughs> in a bid to spread the bullshit across America, which is, by the way, something Scientologists still do to this day. Not the church, of course. The church oh, no. doesn't pay for these books. Oh, no. The Scientologists themselves buy the books using their own money, and then they donate those books. So that's how you know they're loyal. Mm -hmm. I mean, there has been a real uptick in people with... Mental instability, borderline homeless, getting into Scientology because they're the only ones at public libraries. Well, now they're also doing a thing where they're going to, in their words, third world countries because one thing that Sea Org does is offer free room and board. So that's the new thing is like, we'll offer you, we'll ship you in, which is what David Miscavige is getting the ship hot water you for in. now. Yeah, mm -hmm. we ship you in. Oh, ship you yeah, in, ship I you see. In, and then you stay in a bunch of like... Hostels yeah. where you're forced to do slave labor. Yeah. Oh, well, that's uh, so fun. I mean, you get $5 a week. So $5 a week? Whoa, Whoa. what is this? Wow, they're just doing that again. Oh, yeah. There's more slaves in the world today than there was back in the day. Mm -hmm. Isn't that sad? Uh, would it be because there are uh, millions of times more people 
than there were back in the day? Buddy, we'll talk about it later. Live <laughs> <laughs> from your grave. Now, Render was successful in increasing sales of L. Ron Hubbard's fiction. Through a simple campaign of awareness, many people got curious. Oh, no. Mm-hmm. Curious. But after all that, Render finally discovered that Nobel Prizes are not awarded posthumously. <laughs> yeah, that's the dumbest thing ever. He, it's the dumbest shit ever. Because the Nobel Prize, you did all of it. Literally, like, the committee okay, was like, "Finally, the- now I get to make my case." And like, we don't do that. That's yeah, we the don't first do that. question you have to ask. Yes. No, Mike Rinder is a uh, because he also says there are periods oh of time God. of his life that were completely just. He doesn't even remember because he was so exhausted. Like he was literally so sleep deprived. Right. But he was like, "Yeah, it's really wild." It's like he's like, "I should have done that first. Mm-hmm. Like you to look the defeat <laughs> that oh he experienced. My God. You don't give these to dead guys, huh? Ah, Our guy is dead. But now you have to go tell your uh, exacting boss that you couldn't do the impossible thing that he he sent you to do. And then Miss Cavage gave him an even more impossible thing to do. He said, you go and you change the criteria that they use to give Nobel Prizes. Uh Uh-huh. So don't, it's not the Guinness Work Book of World Records. We're changing just the Michelob <laughs> Book of World Records. Okay? That's incredible. <laughs> yes. Now, in 1988, as a part of this whole public image push, Scientology was trying whatever it could to get its name out there. And someone decided that a solid avenue for new Scientologists would be the world of race cars. I could see it. I can really see this. Like, this, like the high end, like the indie cars? Yeah. Yeah. I suppose you know there's a lot of money like, in that. There's not like a lot of oversight in those ads, right? Can mm. anybody buy an ad? Can't yeah. we sponsor a race car? Of course we could. That yeah, would we be could. Cool. We could get a NASCAR or yeah. an F1. But it's like, it's a cruiser. Mm-hmm. Right. Slow. It's like, why are we, why are we rushing? Yeah. You want a slow car. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah but like then, a town car. But that's the thing is that we'll yeah. get press because we'll be the slowest car on the track. That's the idea. Yeah. And then I mean, we'll like, talk about it. We don't need your dumb awards. We just like to drive. <laughs> <laughs> just go 35 the whole time. Okay. Fine. I like it. Well, in 1988, at the GTE World Challenge Race in Tampa, Scientology sponsored a Porsche that had emblazoned on its side, larger than any other logo, a Dianetics decal. Yeah. Okay. It's kind of a cool decal, to be fair. Yeah. And driving the car was one of the most famous race car drivers of all time. Marty Gennetti. Mario Andretti. Yeah, Mar- dude. Marty Gennetti was a wrestler. Yes. yes. Mario <laughs> Andretti. Yeah, yeah. You were. I knew what you meant, and you nice. technically got it right. He's still Because Italian. you got it right in your mind. I did. <laughs> but the thing is, is that Mario Andretti didn't actually know that he was driving a Scientology car until he showed up. And he I- was driving a Yamaka. <laughs> Ah, damn. I am on fire today. So right. Every time I speak, so right. Me too. Absolutely. We only only ever crush it. Yeah. Now, Scientology figured that he wouldn't care one way or another, but they didn't count on the fact that Mario Andretti is an extremely devout Catholic. No way. An Italian race car driver is a Catholic? (laughs) I don't believe it. Someone who dies at work if he makes a mistake? He refused to drive the car because he sincerely believed that the Pope would excommunicate him if he drove a car advertising another religion. He might get excommunicated. Communicated. I feel like so he's I do also- love, but I do love about this is Catholics are like, yo, you cute cult, you cute cult. <laughs> you cute yeah. Tell guy. me you have a fucking pope in a country. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So as a compromise, they removed the Dianetics logo and put it on a lesser car owned by the same racing company, uh, driven by a guy who could give less of a shit. Yeah, it was not Mario Andretti. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, he was just like, yeah, I'll fucking drive it. I beat my wife every night. <laughs> what do I give a shit? No, he wouldn't do that. Yeah. To replace the decal, they instead advertised Bridge Publications, which was the company that put out Dianetics. Okay. And in the end, 
Andretti finished sixth. His heart wasn't in it. No. No. Then Scientology continued sponsoring race cars for years with less discerning drivers. Yes. Okay. The best was the the indie car that they had because you know the indie cars had the big uh, yeah, spoilers. spoilers on the back. Yeah. They just printed just the word Dianetics. Oh. <laughs> I just want one that's just it should be all LRH themed. Mm. We have his yeah. face painted on the hood. <laughs> Make and it you fun. have his arms painted on the side. Oh man. You know you... his butt painted on the back. <laughs> like it's him as a car. No, but you no, you paint a van and you put that in the race. That's awesome. Yeah. That's fun. Also, I believe that's what your doctors told you to get on. A Dianetics. <laughs> oh, <laughs> hey, it's a diuretic. Yeah. Oh, I'm and sorry. I'm already feeling it. Are you? <laughs> I gotta pee. Now, Miss Cavage seemed to hold on to the fiction that L. Ron Hubbard would one day either be reincarnated or he would simply show up back on Earth at any time. And LRH did himself set somewhat of a timeline for this. I have a question, truly, and I don't know if it's answerable again, so just say no if you don't know. What do you mean? I was trying before to equate <laughs> things. Do you think David Miscavige believes that? Uh, Is he a true believer in that sense? Do you think he believes tangible in a tangible L. Ron Hubbard coming back? Do you know how some people are agnostic about God because they don't want to be wrong? Mm. Right, like the idea. It's more about I don't want to be wrong. I don't what want. If, it. Like, I've heard that argument a, so much. Yeah. yeah. Like, what yeah. if? I, what if there is a god and I show up and he's like, "Gotcha, bitch." Be like, I don't right. know. Right. Where like David Miscavige. Says back door to seven three right here, Mister Zabrowski. <laughs> what was that? Oh God. Yeah. Wait, uh, David Miscavige, I think, did all of this because he thought that it might happen because Maybe. of all of the dudes that were close to it. Because like, uh, yeah, uh, I keep bringing it up because it was it was an interesting talk. But but Rinder talked about how there was probably. At this point in time, there's maybe been 75 people that have directly been involved with LRH, right? That have actually been to the heart of Scientology okay. and touched it. And David Miscavige <laughs> is one of those guys. <laughs> but David Miscavige, like, I think was held under sway still of LRH in awe of him in yeah. a way. Like, yeah. and just more afraid. Well, I think it's a very convenient belief as well because he right. always has the fallback of like, well, this is what LRH is going to want. Yeah. Know, do you want it? Do you want LRH to come back? And do you want him to see what a bad job you've done? Do you want to see his? No. Do you want him to see your goofs? No, I don't want do to see my goofs. You want to see no. what kind of goofer you've grown no, yourself up to be? I'm not a goofer. <laughs> okay, so both convenience, and then also, if he doesn't believe that, maybe in his mind he's a total fraud. Hmm? But if he does believe it, I guess in his mind he's not a fraud. Well, I don't think he cares whether he's I don't a fraud think or not. he gives a oh, living okay. shit. Yeah. Okay. Well, from what Scientologists deciphered from Hubbard's rambling lectures, he was supposed to return to Earth. 21 years after his death. But unless they've been keeping him in isolation with Shelley Miscavige since 2007, I don't think he's coming back. Well, he's not Aww. up to snuff now because he actually uh, he hasn't been doing the proper auditing. So, yes, he is actually at the RPF right now scrubbing the, the floors. LRH. Yeah, LRH. Yeah. yeah, he actually <laughs> didn't really cover it. Yeah. Uh, actually, I'm really curious because the 21 year clock that he started, because that's what he once he went through all of his writings, because mm -hmm. LRH. The tone, you remember, he set up the Sea Org, and it has the motto, we come back. Mm -hmm. Because what he says yeah. is that, okay, I got you for a billion years. But so when long. you decide, I got you, you for a billion You signed a billion year contract. I know, we I got signed you, it. Right? You're Sea Org, we got your butt, right? The thing is, so what he does is like, okay, you dropped your body. What do I do now? Guess what? You get 21 years off. Right. So as a ghost, 
You can go do whatever you want for 21 years. Yeah, you yeah. can go to Saturn. You can go to Venus. Wherever awesome. you want. You can go to you can go in go into the side of the porter potty at a Bonnaroo <laughs> festival. Right? Like, you, oh, go, like, you can do whatever you want. But yeah, why did that guy walk into the porter potty with a spork? <laughs> hey, I'm not disgusted. I use utensils. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't want to keep my get my hands. Yeah, through. it's gross. Uh, but uh, LRH then says so for after those 21 years, you're back at work. We got to get you back in in step. So you got so, 21 years of reprieve and non. Stop fun, almost like what they do with the Amish community. Yes, a rum yes, springer. Rum springer. Rum you have a little yeah. rum springer, but then he. Uh, so now David Miscavige thought that that might actually be real, and so that began like in a twenty-one year like plan okay. of like what are we going to do? How are we getting this all in shape for when LRH shows back up? Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, regardless, Miscavige used Hubbard's impending return for years as an excuse to keep his foot on the gas. As I said, a convenient belief. See, according to Hubbard, one of the biggest metrics for Scientology's success was book sales. So under the guise of this is what LRH's reincarnated form is going to want upon his return, Mm -hmm. Miscavige continued printing new editions of the Scientology backlog. Then he ordered all Scientologists to purchase every new edition (laughs) like a college professor who uses his own book for his course. He learned that the way to make extra money within Scientology is to make me... Give you me back the money I've just given you. Mm-hmm. Now, by the early 90s, Scientology was starting to get a bad enough rap where the inevitable journalistic investigations began. It's unbelievable! It's <laughs> fucking unbelievable! That's, that's more of a Regis film, <laughs> I think. In 1991, Time magazine published an article that detailed just how destructive Scientology had been to many people. Now, Scientology had been somewhat prepared for this, having already hired a PR firm named Hill and Knowlton in anticipation of the inevitable hit pieces. Mm -hmm. But the Time Magazine article was so damning that the PR firm dropped Scientology rather than defend them. Okay. Which is kind of hard because you're my crisis management team. Yeah. Right. I'm in a bit of a crisis. Mm -hmm. Didn't I pay you money to handle this? And they're like, hmm. I almost think that's kind of fraudulent on the PR team, to be honest, because they were paid... I would assume up to that point. Yeah, it was just so toxic. It just, it's a cult. Mm-hmm. So I right. think at some point you're like, mm. yeah, but what did they think they were going to be? Uh, what did they think they were PR for? I think at first, well, at first, maybe you think like, maybe they're okay. They're just kind of people sign up for it. They volunteer to join Scientology. Well, you think they're kind of quirky. They're kind of cool. Yeah. Yeah, at this guys. point, nobody knows anything about Scientology. Yeah. Like there's, right. a, there's no huge exposés. You might get a couple of articles in like local papers, but there's no national es- exposés. Yeah. There's no national coverage at all. So you're thinking like, okay, uh, are you a religion kind of? And that's the other thing too, is that I'm sure that whoever went in to talk to these PR people yeah. sold them an entirely oh, different yeah. version of what right. Scientology was. Oh mm-hmm. yeah. And even if he handled the call, because now you're looking at David Miscavige, who's like, we are simply a misunderstood religion, yeah. right? And we were up in the coming and people want to come for us because we have the truth and they're afraid we're going to shock and destabilize the entire world. Right. And then they go and they're like, okay. And then they get the, the Time Magazine article at the same time as everybody else does. And they're like, oh no, <laughs> what have we done? Yeah. Right. Now this article called Scientology, the thriving cult of greed and power. It revealed that the church had netted 500 million dollars in 1987 alone. Wow. And those hundreds of millions were kept in secret accounts all over the world. 
This was also the first time anyone had publicly talked about the blackmail Scientology held over John Travolta concerning his sexual orientation. Poor man. Mm. I feel bad for John I feel really bad. I mean, we we talked about it on page seven for many, many years. I'm very sympathetic for John Tra. Except for he let the sun die, but... Well, I mean, that's, that's a, a whole that's thing. A whole thing. A that's whole thing. That's a whole thing, you know. That's but that's, his, and that's his right as a father. <laughs> <laughs> it also speaks very much to his intelligence and his naivete. Yes. Yeah. But not coincidentally, and very sadly, John Travolta, after this article came out, he announced his engagement to Kelly Preston Aww. like two weeks later. Oh, we just went that road, yeah. huh? Yeah. You yeah, got yeah, to. But the Kelly Hollywood would seem lovely, and if you're going to be, she was hot and stuff. Well, and, yeah, but that doesn't a, matter to him. Well, he does he, have a he white. He could work it out. He got it in there enough. I, I just read that he had his white. You don't know he, that. Do you think it was you, all? I've seen it. I've seen <laughs> it. I've seen him do it, yeah. Because the thing is now, like. Because you could do the thing where you just come on a chair and she sits in it. No, you can't do that. That's a Bill Hicks joke about weak sperm. Is it true? Yeah, it's kind of funny. It's, he says, you, you look like your weak sperm. Looks like your dad came on a seat and your mom sat on it. Yeah. Wow, it's all been done. Best, best, part, of your, best part of you stood Running down, down to crack your, your mama's leg. ass. Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> mm. well, this article also detailed the campaign of, and this is my new favorite phrase, Vexatious litigation. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that prevented publishers from releasing critical articles about Scientology. Because he learns the first one. He learns that you just keep them in court and Mm -hmm. you drain them over time. You just thought you hit them with Mm -hmm. lawsuits. So finally, everyone's like, you know what? I'm sick even fucking dealing with these people. We'll shut up. Mm -hmm. Yeah. If you got $500 million a year, that's where you're going to spend it. And additionally, they also detail the tactic of using private eyes to stalk critics. They frame people for crimes, they beat them up. They issue death threats. They have their fun. own little private army. It's kind of fun to be a PI like that. That's yeah. got to be kind of cool. Oh, that's a crooked PR line. It's a crooked PI. It's not right. It's not right. The author of this article also quoted a member of the Cult Awareness Network saying that Scientology is the most ruthless, classically terroristic, and lucrative cult America had ever seen. Oh. Big takedown. Yep. But in response, Scientology began a years-long attack against the Cult Awareness Network. They were bankrupted in 1996. Scientology bought the organization and they rebranded it as a pro-Scientology front, which it still is Whoa. to this day. Think it's about like the Monday petty. Night Wars when Vince yeah. was able to buy WCW. Oh, yeah. yeah. That is the petty, the most petty, like, ah, just yeah. David Miscavige is such an evil little fuck. I mean, fuck. that's a yeah. great thing. just when Terry you buy the gnome your... if he was, like, a real... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but when you buy your competition or buy the entity that makes fun of you... No, I, no. I, I fantasize. That's a great yeah. day. I you, fantasize. You not only buy it, it's like you buy it, you kill it, you rip off its face, and you then put you put your, your, face your face on it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's, a, that's a, I got yeah. a couple and of those dreams. And then you have sex with it. <gasps> yeah. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> now, after after the article was released, Miscavige declared war on Time magazine. Oh. He publicly said that the Time editors and the writers were SPs trying to destroy mankind's only hope for salvation, i.e. Scientology. He I wasn't mean, wrong. I am pretty fucking annoyed with Time magazine when they made us person of the year and they just put a shitty ass mirror I on know, their cover. Yeah, I'm know, upset with I know. Time. You, pay, you they, bring it up once a month. I really know. And, a a time, and honestly, as a magazine, it has gone downhill. Yeah. I was looking on their dot com. Mm-hmm. Not a lot of content there that matters. Not really. Right. So they did their they did their damage, didn't they? Yeah. I Maybe. suppose this was 1990. I think Time was Still, 30 
years ago. Yeah, Take some. Uh, I remember 1997. It was yesterday. Yes, yes. Well, the church then spent $3 million in a media blitz that included a three-month-long full-page ad buy in USA Today. They also had a beef with the man of the year. Wow. They also had a beef. Who was the man of the year? In 1938, Time Magazine called Hitler the man of the year. See, that was their eternal, endless gripe. Wow. And I can't even believe it because everyone knows it's person of the year. (laughs) True. Thank you. Wow. But additionally, Scientology got USA Today to write a story called, and this is the most Scientology title I've ever fucking heard, the story that time couldn't tell. Who really controls the news at time and why? That's a lot. <laughs> I don't lot. even know what they're talking about. Like, are we talking about the magazine? Are it's, we just talking about the ethereal nature of time? I think they used time twice there. Yeah, they did. It's the story that time couldn't tell. But yeah, also, because, that's you know, a pun. Because time tells. Time? What does that time... That was a pun. Oh, but what I'm is dying. Time? I'm dying. I'm dying. The story of time could tell you. No, my but God, I'm that? falling apart. Time my tells you you're going to die. But time tells the... But that's the thing is that time is... The clock is telling the time, but... Oh, the map's on no. the territory. That's actually yeah. what we try to slide to is the map's on the territory. Yeah, it's because sometimes it's like, yeah, sure, it's 645, right? But right. What, I'm, what is it really? I'm having time with my family. Yeah, exactly. Interesting. Time, time but, is just, and time can't tell that. Time can't tell that. Time's just numbers. <laughs> time is just something they bring up in court to try to put you at a scene of a crime. Always. True. And they're always cell phone towers. And I don't even, I've never even seen one. No, no, no. Leave your cell phone at home. If you're going to kill your family, yeah, that's actually really important. Always. Unless leaving your phone at home ties you to the crime. Yeah, that's why leave your phone at your least favorite friend's house. <laughs> don't kill your family. True. Whatever. There we go. Okay. The main thrust. Kamar, fucking woke. That's woke. Guy. That's woke. <laughs> well, the main thrust of the story that time couldn't tell who really controls the news at time and why uh, <laughs> was that time was in the pocket of pharmaceutical company Eli Lilly, makers Ooh. of Prozac. The only time they have been, because like they had balls. David Miscavige thought he could take on the pharmaceutical industry. Yeah. On the whole, like right. he thought that we'll will do it. Well, I mean, that's the thing is that the pharmaceutical industry just ignores Scientology. Oh, they're yeah. they're strong enough where they can just fucking flick them away like a fly on a rhino. They did not care. They're very powerful. But you had a little barking fucking Shih Tzu, and then David Miscavige coming at you all day long. Yeah, I mean, Scientology is of course anti psychiatry. That's sort mm-hmm. of the point of the whole fucking thing. Yeah, but there are some barbs in there with the you know the Sanger family and oh, things no, like no, that. Yeah, so, no, no, again, that's so I think I'm, that could be an in for some people that would be like, I lost my child to opioids, he, and then it's like curious. And you're like, I am the actually the latest issue of the Scientology magazine Freedom, the issue that is out right now. The front page, the front cover is all about opioids. Yeah. yeah. Like, I mean, that's exactly. And there, this is a universal. Changed. Yeah. That's yeah. a universal. Like people are like, that wasn't good and it's not good. You're right. Mm-hmm. And they were correct. But, yeah. You know. Well, the thing is about Scientology is that they had made multiple media appearances attacking Eli Lilly by saying that Prozac caused suicide and mass murder. Eventually, Scientology would blame everything from Columbine to 9-11 to the Holocaust on psychiatry and psychiatric drugs. These claims are fully displayed at Scientology's Sunset Boulevard exhibit called 
psychiatry, an industry of death. Yeah. You know, I'm actually just going to say Hitler could have used a little therapy. I, you know, we all say, honestly, <laughs> you know, maybe he just, a, just, just a scotch. Just a scotch. A little bit of a ketamine treatment. Mm -hmm. Just something um, where it's like, I know that they didn't read, I know they didn't like your paintings. I Adolf. wanted him to yeah, relax. That, he needed yeah. to relax. Mm -hmm. um, we went to the Psychiatry Museum of Death. Yeah. Uh, I remember Museum we of Death. And yeah. I, Psychology yeah. Museum of Death? Yeah. yeah That's it's, what it's called? No, it's Psychiatry of Death. An industry of death. Industry of death. And it's actually pretty close to the Museum of Death here in LA. It's very, very similar. It's a lot slicker. It's very, very mm. slick. Yeah, and then we put all your personal information into the uh, <laughs> into the member directory. Because yeah. yeah. they kept insisting to us, right, like, go in the logbooks. So we wrote Benjamin Kissel 656 Metropolitan <laughs> Avenue from back in the day. That's, I guarantee you, it's still, there's nice. Scientology materials are, are still arriving at 656 Metropolitan uh, Avenue. Oh, well, that's just, that's great, guys. <laughs> Thank you so much. Wow. And the Psychiatry Museum, it's fun to peruse, but it's it's dangerous. I mean, when we were there uh, behind us were three kids, three teenage girls that yeah. were all obviously raised in Scientology. And they were looking around this place like they were visiting Auschwitz. Yeah, they were like, very scared, terrified. So it's like a field trip, an education. Like it was it all is. true to them. Yes. And that's oh, my, and yeah. that's also Mike yes. Rinder's baby. He made that whole place. Yeah. Mm. Well, psychiatry and industry of death is owned and operated in perpetuity by a Scientology front called the Citizens Commission on Human Rights. It was opened by a former psychiatrist, hilariously named Tommy Zaz. Yeah, Mr. Zaz, Dr. Zaz. You call me Dr. Zaz. I didn't go to 19 years of funny doctor school to be called Mr. Zaz. Um, but I was... Uh, that Seems was like weird. he's a goofer to me. I mean, uh, he is. He I mean, is a bit. His name is Thomas Zaz. Tomifer. <laughs> it is Tomifer Zaz. Uh, we were joking last night because we were watching Battlefield Earth and Barry Pepper is in it. Mm. And Natalie's like, of course Barry Pepper didn't make it. His fucking his name is Pepper. He's in the Barry Pepper. He's like, and I was just like, he changed it from Barry Pepperoni. Because he knew he had mm -hmm. an agent that was like, I don't know who's going to hire the Pepperoni. <laughs> Barry Peps? Pepperoni? Ooh. <laughs> no, I'm not Barry hiring Pepper. Barry Pepperoni. I like Barry Pepper, though. I think so. Those I think bug Barry, guys. But he's I, best bug guys this side of Jake uh, Busey. But I'm Barry pretty certain Pepper. Battlefield Earth destroyed his career. Barry Pepper, you know what he was in? Fucking Saving Private Ryan. He was Bring the fucking sniper. Ben, yeah, well, you fucking I asshole. guess he was able to use his big <laughs> eyes for that. Barry Pepper. Uh, yeah. Oh, my. Yes. Canadian. <laughs> okay. Gotcha. But concerning Scientology's beef with Eli Lilly, they said that the drug maker had pressured their PR firm to drop them as a client. Because what other reason could there be for a reputable company to long, no longer be associated with Scientology? I don't know. Yeah, yeah. why? But, you know, of course, after uh, Scientology sued the PR firm, you were correct in saying that they had cause. They settled out of court. They also sued Time Magazine. But Time Magazine, they had much deeper pockets back then than they do now. Mm. They won the case. Yep. Yeah. Live from your grave. Now, to massage Scientology's public image after the Time article, David Miscavige agreed to appear on Nightline with Ted Koppel Whoa. in his first ever and his last public interview. You should watch it, Kissel. It's you would great. be. It's very, wanna, very interesting. You, you want to do a it. Ted Koppel off? Who can do the best Ted Koppel? I'm Ted Koppel. Uh, oh. I'm Welcome to Nightline. I'm Ted. Uh, hi, welcome. Here we have here uh, the illustrious leader of the Sugar Scientology, uh -huh. David Miscavige. I'm Ted Koppel. <laughs> I'm Ted Koppel. Welcome to Nightline. Wait a second. Lauren's calling. <laughs> Hello. Now, in this interview, Miscavige definitely went with Al Ron Hubbard's always attack, never defend strategy, mm. even though. 
David Miscavige does look significantly smaller yes. than Ted Koppel, <laughs> even though Ted Koppel is only an inch taller than David Miscavige. Ted Koppel's five foot four. I'm saying it does prove your point from last episode. He's yeah. very compact. David Miscavige <laughs> is five foot three of pure sinewy muscle. You're right, but, but he's, he's he's Wolverine. He has very little shoulders. Yeah, that's what that's what keeps me from being big. Mm. Is smaller sloping shoulders. If I have bigger shoulders. I'd look like a bigger guy because my middle is wide. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, if you were completely constructed differently. If I was bigger, yes. I'd be bigger. But then <laughs> yes. why don't I look bigger? Because my shoulders are very broad. He has a V. He has, he's yeah, got the body. Got v. You have got the British rib cage. <laughs> yes, that is true. The Brits have large rib cages. Well, so no, I do. actually view it as more long. More long than large. large. Yeah, long British rib cage. That's Absolutely. what the problem is. Okay. That's well, what I'd say about what your problems are. <laughs> that's what I'd say. Yeah, that's that's one of them there. <laughs> so Nightline, they showed a brief segment before the interview detailing Scientology's many crimes against former members. But Miss Cavage said that all these claims came from the Cult Awareness Network. Yeah, and he said the Cult Awareness Network can go fuck itself. <laughs> he didn't say that on Nightline. No. He said on Nightline that the Cult Awareness Network was to Scientology what the KKK was to, in his words, the blacks. Mm. Oh. He also kept referring to, anytime he referred to a woman, he referred to them as a girl. He'd Always. say this girl. And because we know, because we he made that statement when he was 19 when they were auditing him. And he went to one of the his instructors and he's like, who lets all these fucking broads audit people? Like mm -hmm. he was, oh, yeah. he's very misogynist. But then did Ted Koppel would be like, you mean a woman? <laughs> Every oh. time. And it rattled the fuck oh, yeah. out of him. He got Every real, real sweaty. Because that's the thing is that he knew that Ted Koppel had a point to correct him on because yes. he couldn't argue with no I call them girls so he right. had to he had to say yes to something and then once he did that Koppel fucking had him by the throat yeah. wow yeah, put him on the defensive is and this a Koppel get this, it was oh, it's a huge no it's you got coppled it's <laughs> it's an hour long it's a great fucking interview well he wow. showed up thinking it was only supposed to be half the segment yeah he, Ted Koppel was very good because he he's like now don't, he's no we want to make sure everybody hears everything you have to say so not only are we gonna like we're gonna air all your segments and the stuff you gave us we're giving you a full hour mm -hmm. but that pissed David Miscavige off because he thought that if they had a full he thought that they were setting them up which they were, they were. of course <laughs> they absolutely yeah. were and so in order to kind of I guess bargain David Miscavige demanded to see the 15-minute introductory piece detailing the accusations before he went on air. And that's never done. But when the producer stood his ground and said, no, you can't do that, we don't do that, Miscavige grabbed him by the shirt collar, pushed him against the wall, and said, quote, You lie! You're trying to fuck me over! You handle this, or we are all walking out! Yeah. You know, to some degree, that is gotcha journalism, and you should have everyone should have the same amount of information going in. So I don't disagree with. They should have showed him. They should have showed him. He's an abusive cult leader. No, yeah, I and know. If you didn't show him. If you showed him the stuff, he never would have showed up. Yeah. Right. So you're just trying to get him in the room. They know all these things. You got you got to get right. him in the room and get him on camera. Yeah, it's not like they they're trying to fucking get Mr. Rogers here. Like this, Whoa. Is a, this is an evil, evil man. Yeah, yeah. No, we don't know him. about Mr. Rogers. We do crimes. know about Mr. Rogers. He was fantastic. There's no crimes. Absolutely yes. zero. I know he's the only one ever got out clean. He really is. He really did. Well, Mike Rinder said that this was the first time that he ever saw Miss Cavage physically manhandle a non-Scientologist, mm. but it worked. And the producer showed Miss Cavage the pre-interview piece so he could prepare answers. Thing is, though, in the end, didn't fucking matter he, at all. He prepped for weeks. Yeah. And he still was just, just so he would like, they would be, be like, 
ask me a question like you Ted Cup. Mm-hmm. And the guy would go like, so, yeah. like he would do the thing. And he's like, that's not what fucking Ted would say. And he would berate all of them. Right. And she just was yeah. bad at it. You know, you don't have to prep for weeks if you're not a fucking liar. Yeah, it yeah. Seems, That's the nice thing yeah. is if you just tell the truth, you can only maybe prep for like an hour. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, just, yeah. You get, you get ready for it. It's get your brain get, on. Something to get out of the way on you the know, way to the grocery store. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, get some stats right to prove your points. Yes. Mm-hmm. That's all you need. Now, the thing about the interview is that David Miscavige does not come off well. No. Mm. He looks crazed. Ted Koppel rattles him multiple times, as I said. And he asthmatically wheezes through the entire interview, even though he claimed in the interview oh, that no. Scientology cured his asthma. He's, it's very interesting because if you look at the difference between other Scientologists on camera and David Miscavige on camera, same thing with LRH. They both suffer from real sweaty in an environment where they are not in total domination. Right. Yeah. And David Miscavige is actually not a great public speaker when mm. he's not in charge. Interesting. And you're watching him. It's like, because it's interesting, especially for a Scientologist, because he's tripping over words. Oh, yeah. He's saying wrong things. He's saying stuff like, yeah. he looks real unsure, real unsteady. And that's the interesting thing about his bad performance, because Scientologists, they're usually slippery little sphinxes when yeah. it comes to defending their religion in interviews. There's Nary, a high-ranking Scientologist under Miscavige, whose goat gets got by a reporter. Yeah. Have no. you seen Mike Rinder on camera? Woo! No. He's terrifying. Yeah. Oh, he oh yes, a, I actually have seen the him. The yes. hollow-eyed, like, that face like a granite slab like it's exactly what you like there's something about it it's intimidating it's it's again non-reactionary well, mm. and it's also the bulldog look like it's that straight up like they have mm-hmm. that sort of look where you think any moment they could snap and rip my throat out yeah. fun now the reason behind this discrepancy <laughs> is simple ironically david miscavige has probably never actually gone through the Scientology training that everyone else has. I'm going to kill this it. guy. I'm literally going <laughs> to fucking kill this guy. He got fucking, he was the the, the ultimate boy yeah. clear, yeah. you know? Yeah, he's been, he was declared clear at the age of 15. Right. He's been in charge since he was 27. He's probably never been bull baited or screamed at to the extent everyone else has. There, it is ironic because he is the leader of a cult and he has never actually done the training for the cult. That is ironic. To. It's really interesting because he also like... He didn't get trained, right? Because he was telling people that they were wrong. During mm-hmm. the time period when they were trying to, there was a little opposition to Miscavige taking over. And there was one guy that was like, he's, a, there is a potential trouble source here. We think that he's got some overts and withholds. Before he takes over everything, someone needs to make sure to re-clear him. Because they yeah. do re-clear all the time. Do a re-clear. And David Miscavige was just like, no, yeah. I won't, I won't do it. And they were like, no one ever said no. I guess we can't do it. Yeah. They all wow. just like the power of his literally been like, no, I won't. Yeah. I'm I don't clear. Need, I don't need to. I'm clear. I feel clear. Well, yeah. that's why he got coppled. And he also, I believe, I mean, what I believe he probably did is when people were trying to re-clear him, I'm sure he gave some veiled threats or not so veiled threats of, you just wait, what, see what happens when I get in charge. Oh, yeah. Right. It's already, the writing's on the wall, but Oh, yeah, ma'am. And that's the thing is that Miscavige mm. not doing the training I think it's also why L. Ron Hubbard was also awful at interviews. He was bad at it. <laughs> yeah. LRH was not. That one 45 minute, because he also only has one public interview, and he's just not. It's, ah, you see the twinkle, but he you're hasn't, not getting it. I'm not getting it from you. He knows the tech, but he hasn't done the training. Mm. But that's the thing, is that it's also why both of them were and are highly successful cult leaders. As we've said before, 
You got to be somewhat outside the sphere of belief if right. you truly want to lead the cult. And David Miscavige is the ultimate insider's outsider when it comes to Scientology. There you go. For example, in an effort to rewrite history when it comes to Scientological perception of the Ted Koppel interview, David Miscavige simply declared that it was the greatest interview ever done on the subject of Scientology. It's wow. the best. I did it. Kobe, <laughs> I'm taking this shit down. Mm-hmm. If only I knew anyone else that uses this technique. Mm -hmm. Additionally, when Ted Koppel was awarded an Emmy for ripping Miscavige to shreds, Miscavige said that Koppel won because Miscavige was so good. Mm -hmm. Not Koppel. <laughs> yeah, he said he made, he, yeah, he made himself his own replica Emmy. Yeah, he made his own replica Emmy and he put it in his office so he could say, like, remember when I did that? Remember yeah. I was, when I was the best interview ever? I Let's was, all just face it. Yeah. I'm a great get. Yeah. Wow. Right? People want me on there. Mm -hmm. I got passed. He's bringing me to the couch next time. Mm -hmm. Well, That's some people, awesome. some people said that he kept it in his office. Other sources said that he kept it in the lounge so everyone could see. Everyone it all could the time. see his yeah, fake yeah. Emmy. Yeah. Yes, it's an Emmy. It's E M M I E. It's a special <laughs> Emmy that is like it's like Craig Elo being like, "Yeah, I'm the reason Michael Jordan hit that shot over me." <laughs> Without me playing bad defense, Michael Jordan would he even be Michael Jordan? I like set him up for that picture because yeah. I saw the photographer. I'm yeah. like, "This is going to be a good one." Yeah. <laughs> Now, around the time that Mike Rinder saw Miscavige assault a non-Scientologist for the first time, that would be the producer, Rinder began falling out of David's favor because he hadn't clapped hard enough at the announcement of a new edition of the What is Scientology Encyclopedia. That is God, true. He's, even, he's just a more loser Kim Jong-un. Yeah. He's just... Well, Rinder was, he was kind of having a bit of a moment himself because he wasn't clapping was because uh, Miscavige has told, had told Mike that he was the one who was going to roll out the What is Scientology Encyclopedia. But at the last moment, uh, Miscavige had Mike's brother roll out the encyclopedia. So Mike was over there pouting. Yes. And because he, he didn't stand. Yeah, he didn't stand. He didn't clap. And so he went to RPF. Uh-oh. Mm -hmm. First, they sent him out there cleaning up the bowels of the free winds in an echo of the Mudbox Brigade days. But after just a few days on the boat, Render was sent to live in isolation at the Int Base, also known as Gold Base. Oh, that sounds fun. It's for some, it's, some gold. For some, it's really fun for Tom Cruise. I he love loves gold. It. Yeah. Now, the Gold Base is where the real dirty work of Scientology is done, oh. where David Miscavige lived for many years and where the most elite members of Sea Org live and work. Located 85 miles north of Los Angeles, Gold Base is a heavily guarded compound surrounded by imposing bladed fences that keep people both in and out. They, they actually say it's telling because it has it's the the spikes at the top are pointed inwards and not outwards. No, they're pointed both inwards and outwards. Wow. And when they actually asked, someone did actually ask them like, so why are they also pointed inwards? And their answer was, they came that way. That's the they way they were delivered. They, they were delivered that like way. That. We said to the guy, "Oh, this seems frightening," and he was yeah. like, "You, oh, you must be a, a mix up at the factory." But these are yeah. yours. Seems now. like you're pretty compulsively in control about everything. But they just came that way. <laughs> well, oh god, dang it! Well, Gold Base also has motion sensors around the perimeter. They have patrols, cameras, and Gold Base is where they have the palm tree. That people pay $5,000 to run around. Yeah. Oh, cool. <laughs> yeah, it's cool. Wow. This is also where Tom Cruise goes to get audited. Actually, one time, Mike Rinder got 
beat by David Miscavige because he Mike Rinder sent Tom Cruise to Clearwater to get unbelievable. Uh, that's not good honestly, enough for Tom. I would never want to go to Clearwater. <laughs> no, you know, because that's the thing. He's got to fly into the Tampa airport, and then he's got to drive thirty minutes you know, just I to hate get the to flag base. I hate that fucking tram. That tram's tram. awful. Why don't you just walk? I don't it's like fucking. No! it's like a hundred yards. I don't. No, we just don't know, do we? <laughs> Additionally, Gold Base is also the location of a $10 million mansion built for L. Ron Hubbard. That's the thing. It's built for LRH. Okay, so no one lives in it? Well, that's the thing. LRH never lived there, nor does anyone live in the mansion now. Great. But it is meticulously maintained. There's even clothing set out for L. Ron Hubbard in the sudden event of his return or reincarnation. <laughs> well, technically, David Miscavige did live there for a period of time, but now that he's kind of permanently on the run and probably will be so for a long time. For the rest of his life. Um, that he, uh, does it, but one of the options of it is a fully customized mansion mm -hmm. that has every single bit of it. You can see a picture here of the, uh, this is, I'll show you, Marcus, this is, this is David Miscavige's motorcycles flanked by him and Tom Cruise's matching motorcycles well, right, that they bought nice. together. I can't wait for next week. We're going to get into their relationship. Mm, but these are the sexy. punishment chairs that he installed outside of his office, these two steel folding chairs Naughty. that are Ooh. built into the wall that are supposed to, so you know that you're in trouble when you're sitting in them. Oh. All, it's all custom lighting, all this kind of shit. There, he has a $20,000 desk made out of steel and leather. Jesus. Oh, steel and leather. Steel Nothing and more leather. cozy than steel and leather. No, it's hot in the summer, cold in the winter. It's masculine. <laughs> Gold base is also where some of the harshest punishments one receives in Scientology occur. And during the 90s, those punishments often occurred at the direct hand of David Miscavige. For example, after Mike Render spent a few weeks at Gold Base doing menial duties, someone arrived with written orders telling Render to report to the Upper Villas, which was the code name for David Miscavige's offices. Now, Render wasn't a fan of the Upper Villas. The last time he'd been there, Render had been merely standing outside a meeting when Miss Cabbage burst through a screen door wearing only a terry cloth bathrobe. Without saying a word, he grabbed Render's neck, slapped him, punched him, and threw him against a tree. Yeah! Oh, yeah! my. All, yeah. all in a bathrobe. Yeah, yeah dude. That's, a fucking, that's real power. Uh, I guess. Beating somebody else while you're naked is very, a, it's a strong move. Yeah, bathrobes have had a very bad, bad couple of years. And I'm just going to say this. It's <laughs> not the bathrobes' fault no, no, that the no. people that wear them are very bad. Let's talk about Harvey Weinstein. Uh, you know every, what? Every story it's, has a ba every bathrobe, bathrobe, bathrobe. 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 Yeah. yeah, you know what? That's the thing is that I didn't know, but I knew that that's yeah. who we were talking about. But is it weird? About. Is it like, I actually feel it's more intimidating to be in a bathroom than to just be naked. I feel like if you're just naked, I mean, obviously, there's a lot of no, stuff. No, I, I actually no, think the I bathrobe mean, is too protective because if you're naked, you can pomp, pomp. You got you got a chance to really scrape them up. I actually think that the bathrobe is a disadvantage because it I'm gives saying. the person a lot more to grab onto like and to bring you down to the floor. Yeah. I come out naked, naked. covered in soap, soaped up, <laughs> right? Because that's what you do too. You got a soap, and then you got the soap that you covered yourself in in two socks. You're swinging those around. Right. You're, all of a sudden, you're prison tornado. There you go. Prison <laughs> tornado them. Henry Zabrowski. Absolutely. <laughs> Until it's locked down. You have to go to bed and your roommate is David Miscavige and then you'd be sleeping shit out of you. I'm mm -hmm. afraid. That would be scary, dude, because he would fit well in prison. Yeah. David Miscavige at 5'3"? Oh, yeah. He's perfect for prison. Oh. Yeah. He can't yeah. wait. Yeah. Well, covered in mud with a bleeding lip, Rinder oh. was led to the gold base officer's lounge by David Miscavige. Again, 
He poured him a glass of scotch, said, this is going to make you feel better. Then he just turned around and walked away. That was his little thing. He liked to smooth over. He used to do this thing. He'd beat the shit out of you and then act like it didn't happen. And then, again, it's all abusive techniques. This is just, it would just remind, like, just choke this little guy out. But dude, he's I, so I strong. He's I know. So I mean, you could still he's still strong. five foot three. You can choke him out. You can you can kill him. Uh, well, he's got, I don't well, know, he, man. You he's could got, kill him, Marcus. I guarantee you would beat up him. Oh, he has no. goons. Yes. He doesn't go, he's not doing this by himself. No, I know. But without, he's got goons next to him that are there to jump as well. Marcus, you're surprisingly strong. You grew up on a ranch. You can you can pick up a pig. I can pick up a pig. You can pick up David Miscavige. <laughs> You can pick him up and break him. I don't know. I don't know if you can deal with it. I don't think so, man. I think you guys are giving him too much power. I'm just saying it's reaction time. Could you pick up a bowling ball and break it with your bare hands? No. Okay, then. I would bowl with it. But you know, the idea of like, (laughs) I would love to see the fight. That would ruin the entire night. I would pay legit money to watch you physically fight David Miscavige. No, I think it would be great. If you put David Miscavige against like, Kane. Oh, like, this, oh, I mean, that's it's an, fight. It's an incredible fight. Because he's jumping off the ropes. Ah, because he loves the flying. <laughs> like, I don't know. He's still he, 110 pounds. But he's too small to grab, though. Yeah, he's sneaking around your, your, your big, small, swollen ankles. Yeah, yeah he can't even get down and get there. All right. <laughs> be like catching a mouse it's, with your bare hands. It's, it's going to be tough. I know. A I hard know. little mouse. <laughs> but while physical violence came at the hands of David Miscavige often, it was constantly rationalized by senior staff as necessary. In their view, the person on the receiving end must have done something terribly wrong to make David so angry Ugh. because Scientology is built on the principle that everything bad that happens to you is your fault and your fault alone. You pull it in. Mm-hmm. Now, although Scientology eventually came to be seen as an unstoppable and terrifying monolith, it was almost felled in 1993. That year, a tax bill of $1 billion came Million. due. Because Hubbard had decided in 1973 that if the church wasn't going to be granted tax-exempt status, it was just going to stop paying taxes. Wow. I tell you, it, it does work for a while. For a bit. But they then ask you to, for the money. They come for <laughs> well, the yeah, money. You didn't pay taxes because you didn't realize you were going to get a refund. Well, I just couldn't figure out how to do that. <laughs> when, we, yeah. when we were too stupid not to pay taxes, yes. technically we could have gotten money back. But then the bill for those taxes showed up the moment I received the real paycheck, which yes. I also found oddly coincidental. Weird. Mm-hmm. Weird. It's like they're watching you. What? Well, don't, t- I'm good now. I'm up. I'm I love the IRS. I'm, I'm current. I love the IRS. I'm current, We're current. We're current. We're all current. All three of us. We're current. I'm clear. Well, at the time, Scientology only had $125 million in the reserves. Wow. I'd say only comparatively yeah, to $1 billion. What happened to all the money? I mean, it's a, thing. It. It's a lot it of cash. It's all pilfered and, and stolen. You're spreading all over the world. There's yeah. a yeah. lot of stuff going on. And then he also became upset. He became really obsessed with live shows mm. and putting Did up really? extravagant Yes, these big, every year, like Ron Miscavige talks about in the book about how, like, eventually, like, they were doing so many special events and they were a nightmare because he would just, he'd have to be in control of every single thing. But videos had to be shot. Music had to be recorded. Things had to be written. All this kind of stuff. And he he was just dumping money into Mm -hmm. it. Well, since Scientology owed a billion dollars to the IRS and they only had $125 million in their coffers, right. Miscavige escalated the war against the IRS for the final time. Now, Miscavige's strategy for taking on the IRS was fairly boilerplate when it came to litigation, especially corporate litigation. He continued bombarding them with lawsuits from Scientology proper, but he also got individual Scientologists to bring 2,300 more suits against the IRS. Okay. 
Miscavige also ran ads using images of John Wayne and Willie Nelson to remind the public that the IRS attacked beloved icons on the regular. <laughs> you better leave Willie alone. John Wayne, who cares? Fuck John Wayne. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Fuck Dan Wayne. Bad John Wayne was a Nazi, yeah. My grandfather Herbert hated John Wayne because he said he's just an actor. <laughs> <laughs> well, he is. Well, he was in a cowboy. Your grandfather was a cowboy either. No, but that's why he didn't like John Wayne. Oh. Because he's just an actor. He was a fraud. He was a phony. Well, he Kissel's- was just an actor. He always was an actor. You never should have thought he was a real cowboy. Yeah. No, he didn't think he was a real cowboy. He just thought he was a fraud. He, he was. That's the Thorstein. He's an actor. He's an actor. He's <sighs> fraud. <laughs> well, in addition to that, Scientology also ran ads offering huge rewards for IRS whistleblowers. Nice. But what went over the line was when Scientology hired private investigators to dig up dirt on IRS employees. This information was used to launch a magazine still going today called Freedom. Freedom! Yeah. Nice. That's the one that I talked about earlier that had the opioid cover. And of course, the IRS investigator was Erwin R. Scheister. Oh, I remember him. Yeah. yeah. Remember that wrestler? Yeah, IRS. IRS. You get it. He was a heel. <laughs> I remember. <laughs> and that's the thing is that uh, Freedom, those early issues, they were filled with salacious stories about IRS agents drinking and fucking like animals. <laughs> that's what I want to hear about. But they wish. Yeah. I mean, because I would be like, yeah, sure, I hope he's sucking this. Yeah, no, he's like, it's a down. boring to up. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I hope he has a fun side life. Hey, Peggy, it's not the external revenue service, okay? It's the <laughs> internal, if you know what I mean. <laughs> let's, go, let's get her up in there. Yeah. But after they printed these magazines filled with salacious stories about the IRS, they then handed out the magazines in front of the IRS. And then yeah. the IRS is like, why do we have all these new recruits? They said that they want to come and have a good time. Yeah, they say they're <laughs> here for the eternal party. What? <laughs> Additionally, Scientology changed their logo to make it look more like a religion. Mm. You notice how Scientology yeah. has that cross? Yeah. They cha- They added this in the early 90s to help them get tax-exempt status. Could, there's nothing about crosses or Christianity None. anywhere in Scientology. Nothing. And the cross, if you'll notice, is much more prominent in Scientology centers in the Bible Belt. Mm. The Bible's very smart. Yeah, the yes. one in Nashville, the one in Tennessee, like the one in Nashville you see, like, is gigantic. You like crucifix and you kind of like, oh, yeah. that's an S. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, the one in Nashville is huge. The one in Indianapolis is fucking gigantic. I've seen yeah. a surprising amount of Scientology centers during our travels around America. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. They're everywhere. Every city. They did a good job. In that way, I mm-hmm. suppose so. But it did help people to think of Scientology as a religion. And some religious scholars began publicly comparing them to Buddhists or Catholics in increasingly strained ways. This is because they had to. They had to. And when it came, and that's the other thing too, is that like if you're, you know, a religious scholar, you're getting asked to be on TV. I mean, you're you're getting, yeah, yeah, you're you're getting do whatever. You're out there being like, yes, Jesus was gay. He was <laughs> sure. a pedophile. Yes. It's in the writing. Do the reading. Yeah. But when it came to the private fight, though, Miss Cavage personally and allegedly extorted a top government official. In a meeting with the IRS commissioner, Miss Cavage allegedly said that all the lawsuits would stop and the fuck stories and Freedom Magazine, they'd all go away. They'd all, go all away. just go away. Yeah. If and only if Scientology got tax-exempt status. But it's so hard to tell the government you're not going to give them money anymore. Mm-hmm. Right. They, get, they get salty. They get they sad. And really, the IRS did try holding out, despite the fact that their funding was being rapidly drained and trying to defend all those lawsuits. And they might have made it, if not for the massive government fuck-up involving the Branch Davidians at Waco. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, Waco. Waco, it changed the entire 
game. Uh-huh. Yeah, we got Ruby. We got the Ruby Ridge and then Waco and then the FBI and the CIA. Well, I guess FBI was just like, let's not. Yep. Yeah. Well, it wasn't really about, you know, because Ruby Ridge was more about, you know, get off of my lawn, you know, yeah. sort of like government overreach type shit. Waco, the reason why Waco was important was because it was a religious movement. That's right. the idea. It's a fringe religion yeah. that the U.S. government came down and killed a bunch of people, right? Yeah. 76 people. It was, yeah. the a- it was the ATF and the FBI, right? Oh, yeah. That yeah. was those two, yeah. That happened in 1993. Janet right. Reno. Yeah, Janet Reno, of course. And this is right in the middle of the Scientology fight. And it became oh. very and it became a very bad look for the government to be at odds with any fringe religious movement. Bad PR. Additionally, Bill Clinton... He had a roommate in college who was a Scientologist. And according to Bill Clinton, that guy was pretty all right. That he is, was pretty all right. That is literally what he used to be Boom. like, I feel that maybe that these Scientologists, they may not be as dangerous as one thinks because I'll tell you what. Tell you what. He gave me the dictionary I needed mm-hmm. in order to impress Hillary Rodham <laughs> and allow me to press my body uh-huh. on hers. Uh-huh. Yeah. How long you want to keep this going? You want to can you can you say the sentence everyone does? I, I oh, did not have <laughs> sexual relations. You're thing. <laughs> really good. I know they really good. Wow, good. Daryl Hammond, everybody. <laughs> An impression of an impressionist. I'm gonna doing buy Bill Thirty Rock. I'm gonna buy a buy a wrecking crew. I'm gonna knock it down. I'm gonna rebuild it as Henry Zabrowski's re-education center. <laughs> you guys are gonna see. You're gonna love it. Live from your grave. Well, in order to just get Scientology out of the federal government's hair, the IRS granted them tax exempt status in 1994. Wow. No. Over. Yeah. Seriously, that's a big fucking win, that's dude. A David oh, that's a David billion dollar win. Yeah, he announced their victory at a gathering in Los Angeles in which 10,000 Scientologists attended, standing on a ridiculously large stage in a tiny little tuxedo. <laughs> little boy's tuxedo. <laughs> yeah. Little boy's tuxedo. Yeah. He, declared, he probably shops at that five foot, uh, five foot eight and under store well, that is also a, really short. Went over a Ventura. Did yeah. that close down? I hope not. Yeah, it came up short. <laughs> I'm going to kill you. And the budget this year. Good uh, no, uh, David Miscavige has his clothes made custom. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> yeah, he has to. Well, <laughs> he literally has to. <laughs> yeah. It's like when you see a squirrel in a little suit on jet skis. <laughs> the original, technically David Miscavige is the original boss baby. Yeah. <laughs> Same size. Uh, well, in this gathering, he declared that the 30-year-long battle for to tax-exempt status was over. All right. They set off fireworks on the fucking streamers came down. It was and then he continued talking for another two hours. Yes. Whoa, well, okay, he, we celebrated, but now we have to sit here and listen. Very much. So. It is a three-hour-long presentation. He spends an hour on a PowerPoint presentation, telling Ooh. everyone, preparing everyone for the moment, talking about every single thing that they'd done leading up to that moment. He said, "The war is over." The fireworks go off, and then it's two more hours of PowerPoint. Oh, uh, they must just, have felt like the South Park boys taking acid at the Oscars. <laughs> oh, yeah, like, like, I didn't Ooh. know this thing was uh, so long. Oh yeah. Now we would play a clip of that if Scientology wasn't so gung-ho about keeping it off the internet. But the reason why we don't have a lot to fear from Scientology other than that is because of the very medium on which this podcast is being distributed. Yep. 
We are on the internet. The true free winds of thought. <laughs> yes. And the internet. Demonetized on YouTube. <laughs> so, and, fast. <laughs> so fast. So fast. <laughs> wow. We got kicked off Twitch in 13 minutes. <laughs> we did a good job the weekend. Now we're 13? back on. Yeah. That was good. Yeah. yeah that 13 good. minutes. Yeah, that's yeah. not bad. Yeah, 13 that's minutes in that. 12 minutes longer than I thought we were going to last. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but the internet has been more than anything Scientology's biggest Achilles heel. Oh, yeah. Because mm. David Miscavige discovered through Mike Rinder that all of the secret teachings of the OTs were immediately leaked oh my to the internet. And then this job became David Miscavige being like, you're going to eliminate all traces of our work off the internet. Have fun, yeah. Yeah, and it was very difficult. That is one of the ultimate ironies here as well. A tech-based cult didn't or didn't uh, predict the internet was going to have all information and knowledge. Well, in that, you're misunderstanding the usage of the word tech. Yeah, because yeah, right, they didn't they, make believe tech. Yeah, because that's the thing. When yeah. they say tech, they're talking about these, yeah, these ethereal actors. Tech, they're talking about techniques, not technology. Yes. Right. So LRH called it technology because it was fun for him to say that. Yeah, sure. Yeah. But that's the thing is that the fucking OT levels, they went on the internet in 1994. Yeah. Wow. Like, very, very early that's on. Dial up. Yeah. They, oh, yeah. The Xenu way story. Dial up. Oh, yeah. The Xenu story, the Galactic Overlord shit, the atomic bombs, all of that. They were released to the internet uh, to great ridicule. And this was when the internet was mostly sci fi nerds. Wow. The release of this material shook the faith of some Scientologists at OT3 and above because Hubbard had always been explicit in the claim that people could become ill or even die if they weren't properly prepared to learn about Xenu, the wall of fire. Additionally, Scientologists working their way towards OT3 were also shaken because, you know, what the fuck? Holy fucking shit. <laughs> like, that's it. Yeah. That's what we're doing here? Yeah. Wow. This, of course, set off a never-ending string of lawsuits like against the internet. Yes. Which, of course... Everybody they could get a handle on. Yeah. The only person to beat the internet was Hulk Hogan, and that's because of Peter Thiel. Yeah. And that, of course, prompted an even stronger response from the internet. Mm -hmm. Every time Scientology came at him, the internet came back fucking harder because every time there were more people on the internet. Right. Yeah, Mike Rinder called it a game of whack-a-mole from hell. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that makes sense. And eventually Scientology, they got the they gained the ire, they drew the attention of 4chan. Oh yeah. Because if you'll remember, the first target of the hacker collective anonymous was Scientology. Oh yeah. Mm. Hell, me and my uh, buddy McFerrin, we actually went out to some fucking 4chan Scientology protests. I remember that. Yeah, really? like, yeah we went out there like oh, there are all these guys in like Guy Fox. The masks. Guy Fox shit. Yeah, yeah. It was Which really fun. It? The guy Fox Max, by the way, you can buy in the toy section at Target now. Oh, no, they, cool. they figured out how to, do, again, fold it in. Fold it yeah, in. Fold it in. But all that is to say that Scientology can never come even close to purging the internet of Scientology material or negative Scientology press. And no. the more they try, the harder it gets and the worse they look. So when they saw that the rise of the internet directly correlated to a fall in membership... Scientologists began isolating themselves even further. Well, that's mm. now we're just going to play to the crowd that'll have us. Yeah. We're going to try to end it because other people can't handle it. So yeah. now we're just going to keep it to the people that are already here. Yeah, keep them here and make them have children so there are more people there. I mean, it's interesting because it's against their... Uh, one of their paramount principles. They should have more internet. They should have more dot coms. They should have flooded them. They should have flooded the internet. Well, they actually they, do. If you look at Scientology.org, oh, it's, it's very thick. Yeah. And of course, there's so many other front webs. They have so many fronts. Okay. Well, that's why yeah. that's why it's so difficult to research the subject and yeah. get into it is because there's so many avenues of information and you also you don't know what's real and what's not real. Right. There's stuff that's flooded. And then, you know, I go a lot of the, the like 
you go to uh, was it like pages like various like bulletin mm-hmm. pages and that kind of stuff where you have people talking about it openly forums mm-hmm. like talking about stuff that's interesting but again it's you know you get one side Scientology propaganda and then you have defectors and they're also going to be super mad so you're trying right. to put it all together it's a miasma mm-hmm. oh well this eventually led to the policy of disconnection being used as a punishment for Scientologists who leave the church because once you leave Scientology. Everything about Scientology is available in seconds in a thing that's in your fucking pocket. Right. Consequently, a culture of captive Scientologists was created in which people remain in the church, not because they believe, but because they don't want to be separated from their families. Mm. Famously, this is what happened between Nicole Kidman and her children when she left Tom Cruise. Oh. They fucking, they cut her off. The yep. kids disconnected. They consider her an SP to this day. They got she to the doesn't speak to her. Dude, yeah. that story with Siri uh, Cruise, that was really scary. That was happening in New York. Yes. Mm-hmm. When they were hunting down her, and I'm actually blanking on the name of the actress Katie now. Katie Holmes. Katie Holmes. But I, that was all over New York. Oh, yeah. yeah, I remember that too. Now, the reasons why Scientology has been able to survive for as long as it has are twofold. One, Scientology never has been, at any point in their existence, a sex cult of any kind. It really does make it cleaner in a way. Well, I mean, that's the thing. You don't have any big crimes attached to you. But that's not to say sexual abuse doesn't occur there, but no more or less than what happens in any organization made up of humans. Well, and they're also known to protect predators as well. Oh, of course. Yeah, Danny Masterson. We'll we'll get into next episode. Absolutely. But perhaps more importantly, Scientology has never been successfully tied to a death. But that's not for lack of trying. Yeah, what about that one woman that's been missing since 2007? Ah, there's no death. She's still missing. That's the thing. If you just, like, disappear, isn't that like death? I I mean, it depends. For us, because we're hams. Yeah. But some people like it. You know, you look at Haberzinsch. Haber Gensch, who's the other dude, the former actual quote-unquote president of Scientology, who used to be the face, who okay. used to be the spokesclam for Scientology because they felt that he was an old, he looked like old and, and his like- His grandfather. His grandfatherly yeah. and stuff. And um, eventually what they did is they, they, they removed him, okay. but and he went into more of a voluntary hiding mm-hmm. than whatever Shelley Miscavige is currently involved in. We don't know quite what the level of like- what Shelly's mindset is quite like, but we know yeah. for a fact that Haber just took it and is still alive. Yeah, go hang in out isolation. in the woods. But do we know he's still alive? Because he was an old man when he went away in like 98. We know he's not dead. How do we know that? They say he's still alive. They say that we'd know if he was dead. There you go. Well, the closest that it ever came to Scientology being attached to a death was in the case of Lisa McPherson. In 1995, McPherson had a psychotic breakdown, but instead of being taken to the hospital, she was, quote unquote, treated using Scientological techniques Mm. for 17 days. She died on day 17 from a thromboembolism caused mostly by severe dehydration. There is so no this way. is their version yeah. of an exorcism. Yeah, this, yes. is, this is Annalise yes. McKell, absolutely. Uh, there is no way that this is the only time that this has happened. God, There's no. no fucking way. Because what they their policy was, LRH said, to break a psych, to fix, quote-unquote, a psychotic person, yeah. was to put them in isolation. Because he said the only thing that can help their spirit is their own spirit. But the Thetan has to talk to itself. It's really wrong. I, it makes no That's sense. That's really wrong, um, yeah. But he, it is, there is just, there is no way Way. This no. is the only person that that died this way because they no. also like they only believe in doctors for like 
broken bones. Like sure. they don't they think that everything else can be healed using yeah. auditing. And they right. also only ever take people to doctors who are also Scientologists who also won't treat you for the things that Scientologists won't treat you for. Mm, okay. Now, yeah. and during her autopsy, it was found that she had been comatose for up to 48 hours before she died. She was covered in bruises and her body was covered in cockroach bites. Oh. It was, of course, from being left alone in, I think, a Scientology hotel. Yeah, these bullshit Florida little, like, motels that they bought that they Jesus. turned into essentially boarding houses yeah. that are just awful, deregulated like little shitholes. Yeah. I thought they had a bunch of money. Well, they do, but not for their members. Okay. Now, during the initial investigation, Mike Rinder was involved in conducting phone interviews to see what everyone knew. And the whole time, Miss Cavage was right there next to him, listening in on another phone, directing what to say, and gesticulating wildly when anyone made a misstep. <laughs> God, can you imagine being on the phone with that little man just uh, being like, no, tell him this. <laughs> tell him how you wrote. Tell him this. Ooh, ooh. Yeah. Now, the stakes here were incredibly high because if Scientology was found to be legally culpable in the death, they'd be in danger of losing their already shaky tax-exempt status. They'd only gotten tax exemption like the year before. Right. Now, Scientology itself was indicted on two felony charges in McPherson's death, although charges were recommended against individuals. But all this happened in Clearwater, Florida. The bastion mm. of freedom. Yes, Flag base, the official headquarters of Scientology. This meant that Miss Cavage was playing on his home turf. Mm. And since so much was at stake, they dispatched their biggest, creepiest, toothiest smile to charm whoever he could. Who? Well, a political consultant who had close connections to the attorney who filed criminal charges against Scientology for McPherson's death, she was quite suddenly hanging out with who else but Tom Cruise. Yeah, man. They brought in the big guns. He yeah. does his Tiny own guns. He does his own stunts. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. This is the thing is that um, he does do his own stunts. He did. Cool. He did. He 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 does. He does. Um, but he's a he's not a good guy. No. I'm just saying. He's the not sentence. like a good guy. I'm just saying he does his own stunts. He does. That's he all does. I've said. Well, TC had flown down to Clearwater, where he hosted a series of dinners with this consultant. <laughs> yeah. see him. I can't say it would be relaxing to no, be it honest. Is. I know people that have met him and have been in his circle, and he is not a relaxing human being. No. He's friendly. Yes, friendly. But very scary. Yeah. He not only told her stories of how Scientology changed his life, but he also showed her clips of his upcoming movies. And if you look at this timeline, most likely she saw early footage of Mission Impossible. Wow. That's, I mean, oh. that makes you feel what? super cool. Right? Wow. You're sitting there, you're hanging out with Tom Cruise. He's like, look at this picture. Like, this is all backstage. Be like, who's Lisa McPherson? Oh, you don't remember, right? Yeah. No, look yeah. at this here. This is me having lunch with Steven Spielberg. Now, of course, TC wasn't the only deciding factor in this case. TC? Tom Cruise. Really? I think the audience knows. <laughs> yeah, I got that one. Too. I was like, yeah, Tom Cruise there, sure. Really, we only mention it to drive home the fact that Tom Cruise is not an innocent bystander when it comes to the nefarious sides of Scientology. Does his own stuff. <laughs> so does David Miscavige. Okay. <laughs> really, the deciding factors were more in Scientology's efforts to pour millions into local charities and in the smear campaigns they ran against McPherson's family, branding them as gold diggers. Of course, they mm. also contributed quite a bit to political campaigns as well. Overall, overall Scientologists spent between 20 and $30 million <sighs> trying to defeat this case. But don't mm. worry, because the U.S. government just gave them that money back. Yeah. So they, they mm. had plenty. Mm. Right, right. And in the end, they did defeat it. 
four years after McPherson's death and four months before the case went to trial, the medical examiner very suddenly decided to change her ruling to say that McPherson's death was not undetermined, which is key to criminal charges. If it's undetermined, it could be homicide. It could be right. any number of oh, things. Oh, sure. But she changed it just before the trial to accidental, which want means to say, nobody was wow. responsible. We finally went through all the materials and we look at it and we found... A banana peel. Oh, <laughs> in yeah. the room. And so we're yeah. pretty certain this is a, a goofer moment. This is a goofer. <laughs> goofer. She was a bit of a goofer. Oh, she was a goofer. In the moment. Yeah. yeah. McPherson's family then settled for an undisclosed amount in the ensuing civil trial. And that was that. Okay. But even though Scientology won, Marty Rathbun said that the trial changed David Miscavige. When it was ruled that Miscavige could be added as a defendant before he made the whole thing go away... Miscavige allegedly had the, quote, explosion of all explosions. Whoa, by his standards, that's a big explosion. It was. And that's and that's the thing is that after that, it was said that Miscavige became progressively more violent, more antagonistic and more irrational. But while irrational could certainly be used in conjunction with David Miscavige when it comes to personal interactions, there was nothing irrational about his creation of a brilliantly devious initiative called Ideal Orgs. This is where you could put David Miscavige in the Hall of Fame of Scammers. Yes. Right? Like, of all the things, because, you know, LRH, obviously, the tech, that's kind of what uh, the invention of the entire fucking thing. Mm -hmm. But the Ideal Orgs is what, like, really is David Miscavige's legacy within Scientology. This is why we're going to be hearing the word Scientology for the next century. Yeah. Right. See, in the year 2000, the city of Buffalo refused to authorize the construction of a Scientology mission in their city, with good reason. Scientology then sued for religious discrimination, and they won. And the door was open for Scientology to play the same game Catholicism has been playing for centuries. The game of real estate. Oh my Big God. Islam didn't, even, Islam didn't even get a fucking temple <laughs> five miles away <laughs> yeah. from the site of 9-11. Yeah, and man, Scientology no. was able to get a place in Buffalo oh, because yeah, of dude. religious freedom. Big yep. boy games, buddy. They're finally in the mix. They're doing it like real religions do it. Mm -hmm. oh. Scientology could now buy whatever building they wanted, wherever they wanted in America. And of course, if you can buy whatever you want in America, that goes a long way towards buying shit anywhere else. Right. And this initiative helped turn Scientology into a global real estate empire of empty rehab centers, empty tech centers, and empty headquarters. Because the key is also buy historical buildings. Mm -hmm. You buy buildings that the government's already protecting wherever you're buying them. Mm. And so you also can't like, they don't have the same regulations. They don't get, they can't get torn down. Nope. Like they can't get taken from you because now you're like lording over these important historical like resources. Right. Yeah. I think they own something like five or six buildings around Times Square. But oh, yeah, wow. Like they own shit everywhere. They might own the TGI Fridays. They might own, uh, own Bubba Gump. They, they might, might own Bubba, Bubba Gump. Gump has changed. To what? They change, I don't know. They've changed the name, though. No. no way. No. Yes, they did. The one at CityWalk, yeah. the Universal CityWalk is still Bubba Gump. Sir? <laughs> Sir? I'm looking at Bubba Gump Shrimp Factory. Okay? No, Bubba Gump Shrimp Factory name change. All right, Bubba Gump I, Shrimp. Oh, I, they changed it to company. Bubba Gump Shrimp Company? Yeah, what is this? A fucking... Like MLM? Am I selling <laughs> shrimp to my aunt? I don't know, man. Do I have I was, to buy a pallet of a shrimp and then move the shrimp and I, then have her sell the shrimp down the line? <laughs> mm -hmm. I went and saw a movie at Universal City Walk like two weeks ago and I walked right past 
Bubba Gump Shrimp Company. No, it's less emphasis on shrimp. <laughs> yeah, they they are. They're saying here they're moving towards a less shrimp world. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So good luck. Good day it's for the shrimp. Of, you're gonna have to change a lot of signs. You really yeah. are. When Bubba Gump. The Bubba Gump Company. Insect pulp company. <laughs> <laughs> well, this some believe is where the majority of Scientology's money is kept today. Oh, the real know. estate. And it's believed Makes that it's sense. pretty much the only reason why Scientology still exists at the visibility level that it does, especially considering how much its historically low membership numbers have plummeted since the Internet. I mean, at most they've ever had, what, 30,000, I think, has been surmised. That's the most wow. member Scientology That's has it, huh? ever had. Yes. Well, we, I think they might have had bigger numbers in the beginning. Maybe. But we'll get next week. I'm going to do more of a current rundown. Cool. Now, Scientology has always been an organization of punishment for the people who they feel have wronged their organization, both internally and externally. But around the mid-2000s, right before David Miscavige's wife went missing, he turned up the volume internally when it came to the physical and mental torture. See, around 2004, David Miscavige quite suddenly declared one of his top guys, Marty Rathbun, Mm -hmm. an SP. (gasps) No! In fact, David Miscavige had been declaring a lot of the top guys in Scientology SPs, saying that all of them were actively trying to destroy the church from the inside. This included Mike Render. Therefore, these people had to be punished. That's when David Miscavige created The Hole. And that's where we'll pick back up next week with both the tortures of The Hole and the tortured fish-fucking celebrities whom Scientology has caught in its web. Yeah, got him! Got him! Fish-fucking is a stunt! (laughs) I know. (laughs) And he he does does his his own own stunts! stunts. Um, This story fucking drives me nuts. Uh, David Miscavige is a fucking, uh, quite the villain. Yeah. And he's getting worse. And Uh, we're gonna see what happens. Well, it's just, where's where's this woman? Where is this yeah. woman? Where is this she's woman? in Big Bear. She's yeah. up. She's upside two hours from North Maryland. She's mm-hmm. like she's in air. What is the Church of Scientology? It's the Church of Religious Technology, I believe it's called, or maybe it's the Center of Religious Technology. It's where the plates are. You know what mm-hmm. I want to tell you this? A little Ben Kissel advice: If it takes too many words to explain your ideas, they're not good. You see, that's a Richard Feynman idea. Yeah, you know what drives limited me? words. You know what drives me nuts. Dog butts. <laughs> all right. Well, there we go. Thank you all so much for dog, listening. Dog butts drive me nuts. Dog butts. Dog butts do drive you nuts. I'm going to say the sexualization of corgi butts is disgusting. Yeah, yeah. I don't. Like, I actually don't like as all the, the talk about dog butts. As the owner of a corgi, I don't like the people talking about corgi butts. I just remembered there was a book at you know the groomers where I used to drop off my corgi to get her butt squeezed. Uh, it well, had quite a book, the groomer. I yeah, I know. Yeah, but well, because you know it's a copper town. You know all about copper town uh and the dog they had a book that they left at the at the reception area called dog butts drive me nuts uh yeah. and well, it was maybe you shouldn't be a fucking butts. groomer then well i saw if there a, was a I, kindergarten I say, teacher that said kindergarten kids drive me uh well i don't even know kindergarten kids make me hard <laughs> yeah yeah it's gonna no, be really really bad to be a, yeah. you don't not anymore. anymore no 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 i saw a dog with a shaved pussy at the americana <laughs> well that is disgusting okay all right everyone thank you all so much for that listening that is so gross it's yes. awful all right we're not gonna talk anymore all this right, we've got all right. WonderCon. WonderCon is coming March twenty first. Yeah, WonderCon soon out, out in Anaheim. We're going to be there at least Friday and Saturday. I yes. think. Yeah, March signing, at the, signing at the Z two table. It's yeah. going to be sweet. March eighth, we got a classy night out. We're going to be doing in L A. I'll put up those dates on my socials. We got April eighth. I'm going to put up the link. That's live side stories. And we'll be in Australia yeah. August 2nd through 12th. And we'll obviously we're going to harangue you with a bunch more stuff for the rest of your lives. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. All right, everyone. Thank you so much for listening. And thank you for the great response for our live stream. It was 
is back uh, yeah, February 21st. Yeah. And we're back every Tuesday at 8 p.m. PST. So we're going to have a bunch of strange videos and a whole bunch of fun banter. It's so fun. I, I, miss, I love being back. I didn't get plastic surgery. Just the lighting was 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 weird. Why do you only find this? I didn't hear anyone say <laughs> Can that. Can you imagine thinking you, you had plastic surgery? People, that's what they've you been just saying. Looked, no, they who, just said who, who said that? Who said that? They said that they said on the on the chat they're like Marcus looks waxy. He looks like he had plastic surgery. I didn't have plastic surgery. Can you imagine? This is because wow. you're next to two of these most rapidly aging men <laughs> within two two miles, and so wow. you just look super young. I don't next I, to us. I don't. They age said waxy. Rapidly. Waxy. Yeah. yeah, like like I'd have the work done. I haven't had work done. I look the same. I mean, I'm you had your. Yeah. Like, if anything, it's a compliment. To be honest, let's be honest. All right, look, you got your penis shortened. <laughs> he did, and yeah. you know that. That just because of Carolina. I did. Kept complaining yeah. about her guts. So very nice. <laughs> all right, that's his wife. Okay, everyone. Thank you all so much for listening. Hail yourselves. Hail Gene. Magustulations, everybody. Hail Carolina's nuts. <laughs> nuts. Yes. Right. Hey, okay, that was the right. surge. Oh, okay. Over the line, buddy. Over, over the, the line. line. Over the line. Over the line, Smokey. Over the line, Smokey. I'm pulling it in. Pull it in. Pull it in. It in. You're, it you need a Thetan check. Yeah. Wow. And the only the only work that I've had done is when I went to the haircut lady that you recommended and she ripped out all the nose, all the hair in my nose. That's it's not important. plastic surgery. It's with not plastic wax. surgery. That's it important. was a big wax. She does that for me too. She does my top of the line of oh, my back. Oh, it's fun. Hollywood has changed both of you. <laughs> <laughs> she did mine for free. <laughs> this show is made possible by listeners like you. Thanks to our ad sponsors. You can support our shows by supporting them. For more shows like the one you just listened to, go to lastpodcastnetwork.com. Yeah!